And hello and welcome in to Heavy Hitters here on the radio voice of Kutztown University. KUR Kutztown. Jack I'm Mitchell Smedley here What's with up? you on this Wednesday morning. Mitch, we do have a lot to talk about. And it's that time. We've been waiting for a couple episodes now to talk about this one specific topic. And I see you've come ready for it. I'm, I'm as prepared. You... Oh, Gary, I had that dream again. <laughs> <laughs> Hello. Welcome in to Heavy Hitters. Yes. Um, no, but in all seriousness. We like sports. <laughs> yes. <laughs> what inspired you to add a second edition of Heavy Hitters two days after the original? Sports. <laughs> so much to talk about. So We even have an NBA me. tidbit to talk about. Today, we do. Jack. Another one. Uh, yeah. We talked about the Kyrie Irving trade a little bit on the Monday show and uh, an accolade last night. I think we should just get this, you know, out of the way right away. Yeah, because why would we? we talk about the Super Bowl? No, why not? LeBron James. LeBron James. LeBron James. LeBron James. <laughs> Tell him about it. He, LeBron uh, James is now the NBA's all-time leading scorer, I believe surpassing Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Yes. For uh, first all-time, it was last night, and he did it against the Oklahoma City Thunder uh, out in L.A. So LeBron, now number one, uh, you know, a lot of people are now crowning him the the goat after you know surpassing. I wouldn't say a lot, but some I've seen some people uh, say he's the for sure goat now. I'm not going to go into that debate. Um, I disagree. I don't think thirty some difference of points. Jordan's my man. Changes but. your uh, changes your idea of who's the goat or not. Yeah, but you know, very good player, generational talent. Absolutely, one of the one of the greatest of all time. Yes, yeah, arguably the greatest. All of all time, congratulations, LeBron James. You see he had those headphones with the the number on it? I did. Yeah, yeah. Pretty flashy dude over there in, uh, where's he, L.A.? Yes, with yeah. the Lakers. The Lakers. The Lakers. Hudson River. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> so, LeBron James, congratulations. If you can't tell, by the way, we're both exhausted. It's early. Not I am on the East Coast. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, it, it is. It feels like it. It's early. I didn't have my coffee today, Mitch, so my body's kind of going through like a culture shock. You know, Jack, some of us don't need coffee to function like a normal human being. I don't drink it every day. I only drink it in the days where I have to be up like extremely early for, for class at 8 a.m. Mm. So You know what used to shock me awake was drinking like a Coca-Cola like right out of the gate. Just... I don't oh. know if that's the best thing you could consume right off rip. The same as coffee. It's, got it's not the first thing I drink off. Like Lower of dose water, of caffeine. Of a cup of water. I have some water first. Yeah, you and gotta then, you gotta hydrate the mind, man. Not right into the Coca Cola. <laughs> you know what? Try before you deny. Coca Cola in the morning. Very good uh jump start to your day, if I must say so myself. You ever had the Coke with coffee? No, I don't like coffee. Oh yeah. You should know this. That's true. Yeah. Yeah, I've never even heard you like say you've ever had coffee. No, I, I I went to Starbucks like two weeks ago, and I was trying to order right because you know someone told me to do that, and then <laughs> I'm there and I'm like I was told uh, I'm just gonna tell you what I I was told you know small I said small not tall I'm so sorry uh, a small um, vanilla sweet cream cold brew with uh, almond milk right the almond milk milk was very important. <laughs> And then they start coming back with all these other wow. questions. It's like, it's like, uh, well, sir, the, the sweet cream already comes with 2% milk and skim milk and some other third thing. And I was like, well, I was told almond milk. Could you please just, <laughs> I don't care how bad it sounds. Could you please just make it? And then uh, apparently my fatal mistake was asking for sweetener 
uh, and creamer instead of sugar. And I was like, I don't know. What do you want from me? Mitch, for your first time going to Starbucks, that is a very high maintenance order. Yeah. I, you know, we could have gone like. We could have gone a lot more simpler with that. Could have done like the, uh, the pink drink. The pink drink. I don't what, know. What a strawberry refresher. I don't know what it is. I just or a dragon fruit refresher. One of the two. I don't know. I'm not like a Starbucks aficionado, but yeah, I should have brought Jack. That was my fatal error. I, I I'm not a Starbucks aficionado. That uh, so you could have brought me, but I don't know how much better it would have gone. But yeah, then I I made the mistake of telling the uh, nice ladies at Starbucks that uh, it wasn't for me. I'm like, I don't know. It's it's not for me. I don't really have a preference. Just do what I said, <laughs> right? Like Please I I don't have any drink input. Yeah, how I said. And and then they're like, oh, it's not for him. I'm like, I don't need this right now. <laughs> but no. It was awesome. It was awesome. I loved it. It actually really was a fun experience that, you know, I grew a lot as a person. I feel blessed, you know, thank my family for getting to this point. I, I took my I took a lot of lessons out of this. You know, this is I a, did. This is a life changing experience. You know, though we didn't win. This is a learning experience for me. And I feel like it advanced my career. Yeah. So whatever. Made it made you better, you know. You're better from this experience. And then, of course, I had to go back to Starbucks with her the next time she went, like, five days later. And she orders. She says the exact same thing that I said and then goes, see, that's how you do it. I'm like, I'm... <sighs> I don't need this right now. Smile and wave. <laughs> yes, yeah, smile and wave. <laughs> don't let the... <laughs> don't... Let's get to sports. Don't let the uh, the intrusive thoughts win, as they yeah. say. yeah. I was just, you know, I was just like, I was like, it was like I was on Shark Tank. I see her order the thing, right? Turn around and eat that Seda. And I'm like, for those reasons, I'm out. (laughs) I'm out. I'm out. I will not be investing in your business idea. Yeah. We got, we got some, some sports to talk to. Just a little Super Bowl to talk about today, Jack. We got the. Yes, we do. Eagles. Fly, Eagles, fly. Taking on the Chiefs. Whoa, whoa. In Super All Bowl the, 57. Mitch performing the sights and sounds of both teams for <laughs> yeah. us. You know, it's, you know, battle cries, right? Yeah. Fight songs. Well, so after our discussion about Starbucks, we now have to get to sports. Sports. And before we get to sports. That's what I'm saying, bro. It is a KUR Notebook message time. Attention KU community. Actors Creating Theater is proud to present its spring musical, Heathers on Friday, February 24th at 7 p.m. and Saturday, February 25th at 2 p.m. and 7 p.m. All performances will take place at Schaefer Auditorium. Based on the classic 1989 film, Westerberg High is ruled by a shoulder-padded, scrunchy-wearing group. Heather, Heather, and Heather, the hottest and cruelest girls in all of Ohio. But misfit Veronica Sawyer rejects their evil regime for a new boyfriend, J.D., who plans to put the Heathers in their place, six feet under. To purchase tickets, you can log on to kutztown.universitytickets.com. I'm laughing because I saw your face. Call 610-683-4092 or stop by the Schaefer Auditorium box office, which is open Tuesdays through Thursdays from 11 a.m. to 3 p.m. by appointment only. Please be aware that Heather's contains mature content, so audience discretion is advised. We hope to see you there. This message of community interest is brought to you by the radio voice of Kutztown University, KUR. Do you want to know what I was thinking? What? Right, I was thinking two thoughts during that. First thought, m- much more normal thought through other people's minds, was like, look at the acronym Actors Creating Theater. That spells ACT, which I thought was a nice touch. Yeah. Creativity at its finest. <laughs> yes. And then <laughs> you read the name JD, and all I could think of was J.D. Real Muto. <laughs> and I was just like, 
but it's JD. I know. That's why I was like, it doesn't I even thought, make sense. I thought, I thought of JD Davis and then yeah. a former Met. And, yeah. and then my eyes started JD laughing. Davis is a like, much better fit. I, I saw your face. Eventually, I also, got to JD Davis because I was like, who's the JD that I've heard Dan Baker say? And then I was like, oh, yeah, JD Davis. And then. um. This one, this one Mets guy on TikTok used to call JD Davis Steve from Minecraft. So I just thought of that and I just started laughing. Steve Gannon from Minecraft. <laughs> so that's that's what got me laughing. And uh, it's a train wreck, Jack. It is. We got to get moving. We got to get moving into the Super Bowl talk. Super Bowl Fifty Seven. Wop up up up. Dun 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 dun. Wop up 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 up. ESPN music. Yeah, it's on Fox. Yeah. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> yeah. Remember yesterday's meeting? Yesterday's meeting? Where that went off. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The best decision of my life, by the way, is downloading the Fox Sports app. This is not an ad, an ad in any way, shape, or form. This is just me living my life. And uh, apparently the notification sound effect for it is the intro to the NFL on Fox theme. And it, it has gone off at some of the best times for it to ever go off at. Including at our KUR meeting yesterday, so maybe that entices people to join KUR. Maybe if well, that doesn't, I don't know what will. Real quick uh, tidbit <laughs> before we get to the Super Bowl, um, our long Super Bowl segment here. 49ers have already found a replacement for D'Amico Ryan's as offensive coordinator. Ex Panthers interim head coach Steve Wilkes will be going out to the Bay Area to become the new 49ers defensive coordinator. Mitch, any thoughts about that hiring? Uh, it's a good hiring. You know, uh, Wilkes, I believe, was considered for the head coaching job in Carolina, right? Yes, so. he was uh, the finalist uh, along with uh, Frank Reich. Yeah, so obviously a good candidate. Um, and uh, I'm excited to see what he does out in the, the Bay Area there. Got a lot of weapons to work with on that defense. A very good, uh, very good crew out there. So, um, yeah, Steve Wilkes. Best of luck to you. Uh, a defensive coordinator actually named Steve, Jack. So, Hey, yeah. There you go. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Steve Gannon. <laughs> Whoever you are. Dude, I, between us and any listener that's looked him up, I mean, this guy's internet traffic had to go through the roof, right? Whoever he is. His Google search history has just <laughs> gone through to the moon. I mean, it's just been it's like, incredible. Man, I'm popular in Pennsylvania. <laughs> yeah. Let's move on. Let, let, let's The big on. game, Jack. The big one. It's finally almost here. SB. Five seven Super Bowl fifty seven. Like Mitch mentioned, the opponents, uh, or the teams, I should say, in it. Uh, it's the Philadelphia Eagles. Boo. And hey. uh, <laughs> woo. And the and the Kansas City Chiefs, led by Andy Reid. <laughs> Andy Reid. I I will never forget that from Madden. But yeah, we got a little Christmas color Super Bowl going on, Jack. Red and green. Red and green. Red and green. Big red. Feisty green. Big red and midnight green. I guess. Wait, why are we talking about Cornell, the Big Red? Re- no, we're talking about Andy <laughs> Reid, Big Red. Big he Red. is. So, all right, let's get into it. Speaking of Andy Reid, that's kind of where I want to start this discussion. It's a great idea. Um, you know, a lot of the talk, uh, you know, the talk of the town of this game has been, especially after the last, uh, you know, the NFC Championship game, Sirianni versus Shanahan, the, the coaching matchup in this one. And, you know, Reid is a guy who could go into the Hall of Fame as head coach. He's won a Super Bowl. He's accomplished a lot of things over his coaching career. And he's overall a smart head coach. Um, but he has, you know, he has tricks in the bag, and sometimes he gets a little too cute with it and things can go wrong. Um, but on the, on the other side of things, Nick Sirianni is a guy who's, you know, stepped up to the plate. 
Uh, he's got a really good roster, but he's led him to this far. You know, his first Super Bowl appearance, and only his, what, second year as Eagles head coach? Yep. So he's, he's Two straight coaches to do that, by the way. Yeah. He's accomplished a lot early on in his, you know, Eagles tenure. But, Mitch, what do you make of this coaching matchup here? And who would so, you give the edge? It's a really interesting matchup. I would give edge to Kansas City in the coaching matchup, no question. Andy Reid is potentially a Hall of Fame coach. I have not been a Nick Sirianni fan. You've known this for his entire tenure here. Talk about flowers. and Get out of my face. Um, but I think the other aspect of it is Andy Reid basically built the system that the Eagles are still using the framework of, right? He was here when we built these these trench lines, right? When we, when we got Jason Kelsey and, and all these other guys, Fletcher Cox, Brandon Graham, they were here under Andy Reid. Uh, he knows kind of the the way they play. He knows kind of the system they're they're growing up in and have grown up in, and now are veterans of. So I think Andy Reid will have uh, some some valuable insights to teach the Chiefs on what the Eagles are running, which then goes to Nick Sirianni to to add wrinkles to it, to get the most out of his players, to use them in ways that haven't been used before. Um, which you know that's a challenge, especially on the on the game's biggest stage. Uh, you know, Sirianni's more unproven. Uh, Andy Reid has a Super Bowl under his belt. He has another appearance under his belt. Uh, two other appearances, rather. One with the Chiefs, one with the Birds in 04. But I, I really don't see a way that Nick Sirianni uh, outcoaches Andy Reid if the Eagles are to win this game. It's going to be the players on the field. The problem is, uh, you know, the um, the Chiefs have the duo that you look for. They have the coach and the quarterback uh, that are both pluses over the Eagles' options at their respective positions. And some people, right, like there's there's some ways to look at this game, and one of those is a lot of times if you have the better coach and the better quarterback, you can really, uh, you, you are never out of the game. You always, you know, you might even be the favorite to win it. Now, this game is close to a pick I think for very good reason. Um, and I think the, the coach-quarterback duo is a big part of that tipping it toward, back toward the Chiefs, where the Eagles might have the better up-and-down roster. Yeah, I mean, I, th- I think that's a really good analysis here. Of you know what the coaching uh, situation is going to be like going into the game, uh, and how things could ultimately play out, where the game can be won or lost uh, is you know it's on the sideline with these head coaches, and, and you know if you make one bad play call uh, in a big moment, it could change everything. So uh, you know it's going to be interesting to see how that all shakes out on Sunday night's game. Eagles are one and a half point favorites right now. Yeah, so opened at one and a half, climbed to two point five, back down to one and a half. Yeah. So, you know, it, it hasn't moved much. Um, it's a really close line. So I, I'm really excited. and I wanted to get your opinion, Jack. So if there was one element of this game that you thought would decide it, is it is it the coaching matchup? Because I've heard a lot of people with a, a few different takes on this. I've heard, you know, oh, it's going to be one with the coaching. You know, Andy Reid is miles away better than, than Sirianni. Well, Doug Peterson went up against Bill Belichick and, and beat him. Um, you have, you know, the quarterbacks. It's going to be one in the quarterback play. If Jalen Hurts can keep up this MVP level, if Patrick Mahomes is hobbled, or if Mahomes is Superman again and, and Hurts doesn't have it on the big stage, right? Like, you can go both ways with that. Um, a lot of people are saying it's going to be one in the trenches, right? The Eagles with their dominant lines. Uh, some people say it'll be the playmakers or, or the secondaries. What is the element of the game that you're looking for that could really be the uh, all else being equal, the deciding factor? Chiefs got to get home. Steve Spagnuolo's defense is unknown as a high-pressure blitzing defense. They like to send a lot of guys at the quarterback uh, and get them in uncomfortable situations. If the Chiefs are going to want to come away with a win in this game for me, they got to get home with the pass rush uh, and make Hurts feel the heat. I mean, he has not been pressured 
you know, consistently a whole lot this year, and that a lot of the credit goes to the Eagles' offensive line for that. Uh, but the Chiefs got to get home. Chris Jones, Frank Clark have to make uh, their presence known in this game if the Chiefs are going to want to come away with Super Bowl 57 uh, with a win. You know, Mahomes and the offense can only do so much. If your defense can't get off the field with timely sacks and timely big plays, uh, it's not going to mean a whole lot. So that's yeah. the one area for me that's going to be huge to watch. Uh, can Steve Spagnuolo, uh, you know, curate a game plan, you know, that, that can be efficient all night long against this, you know, top offensive line, which is more, you know, in my opinion, the best in the league. No you know, question. So that, that's got to be the one area for me. I mean, I know mm-hmm. we know Mahomes can get it done. Um, we know the Eagles offense, you know, can run it down your throat. Uh, and they've done that the past couple weeks. Hurst didn't really look too fantastic throwing the ball in the conference championship game. You could chalk that up to maybe, you know, just a bad day at the office. Things happen. Uh, you're not always going to have your A game. But I think the Eagles are going to need Hurts to be able to consistently, well, not consistently, if they can control the line of scrimmage. But they're going to be, they're going to need them to make some big throws to win this game, in my mind. It's not going to be a runaway. It's not going to be like what they did to the Giants and 49ers. It's going to be a tight game. Uh, and Hurts going to have to make some big throws and big moments. So I'm interested to see how, you know, that happens, especially, you know, what times of the game that will happen. Yeah, it's a really good point. I think, uh, you know, there's there's two parts. So it sounds like you're a, a trenches guy, specifically the defensive line. Um, yes. And you're specifically going with the Chiefs. I think it's a really good point. Um, I think more broadly, defensive lines as a whole, both teams. You know, the Eagles have a very good one. They have a very stacked defensive line. We've talked about it. Four guys, 10-plus sacks. Hassan Reddick, I think, getting snubbed and, and not being higher than Chris Jones on the on the most important players in this game list. <clears throat> Excuse me. But it's it's all about uh, can they not only can each each defense get pressure, but you're going up against Jalen Hurts and Patrick Mahomes. Not only can they pressure them, can they contain them? Or is it going to be pressure up the middle? Quarterback escapes, gets nine yards, right? On a crippling run on third and five, something like that. These you know this kind of defensive line aspect leaks into the quarterback play, I think a little bit. Um, but I, I do agree that a lot of it does rest on the shoulders of uh, offensive lines going up against pass rushes that have gotten home this this year uh pass rushes in the eagles that is featured you know brandon graham um josh sweat uh hassan reddick i've already talked about you know guys like that and then on the chiefs you know guys like chris jones who we know at a big spot afc championship game you know arguably the uh the game winning sack there um so and and as you mentioned also frank clark so there's there's pass rush on both sides uh there's escapable quarterbacks on both sides uh, it's a matter of who can who can pressure and contain. I think you're exactly right because we know Patrick Mahomes can make playmakers out of maybe guys that don't seem like playmakers. We know uh, McCall Hardman just went uh, on IR. Uh, hope he you know gets well soon and is ready to go for next year. Um, other than that, the, the the receivers for the Chiefs are still banged up. Mahomes is still going to get it done no matter who's there. Um, same thing with the Eagles. The the they have proven uh, well. I guess same but different. They have proven receivers, right? A.J. Brown, Devontae Smith, Dallas Goddard, obviously of Travis Kelsey for the for the Chiefs. Uh, so I think the playmakers, the secondaries are both uh, you know pretty good. I think you're you're right. The X factor here is is the pressure, uh, and I think add that uh, pressure and contain uh, if you really want to get into it. Um, we come into our first break. We do have to take our first break. I was just going to let you finish uh, your your little monologue there. But we are going to step aside for the first time today on Heavy Hitters. When we come back, we are going to further get into our Super Bowl breakdown, some of the key things to watch in the game, like we've already mentioned, with some positional groups uh, and the coaching matchup, uh, You know what players can make a big difference, and all of the Super Bowl talk that is pretty relevant coming right next here on the flip side of this break here on Heavy Hitters. And welcome back to Heavy Hitters, everybody here on the radio voice of Kutztown University, KUR Kutztown. 
As always, I'm Jack Heim alongside the one and only Mitchell Smedley, the Bucks County Kid. I <laughs> love it. Love it. Getting ready for a Super Bowl second in six years for this franchise. Jack, they're becoming the gold standard. Maybe, maybe you know, Chiefs have been better. I wouldn't say gold standard, but they've the been Patriots, pretty good. Yeah. They've been pretty good over the past the several years. Silver or bronze standard, right? Pretty good. Yeah. Pretty I mean, good. At least the gold standard in the NFC for this year. Playoffs five of the last six years. You know? Yeah. I think that's. <laughs> <laughs> I told you. I told you. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> Ooh, there it is. <laughs> Trying to get us ready. <laughs> Dude, Scoop, I'm so there ready. There it is. I, I like, here's the thing. So we went to the Super Bowl, right? We, we uh, beat the Niners. Eagles go to the Super Bowl. And I'm like, that's awesome. But the excitement wasn't there. I was like, it's two weeks out. We already got the first one. I know it's not going to match up to the first one. And I, I want to get your take on this, Jack. Maybe you don't have a take because your teams don't win. But I, I just, I've tried getting super amped up, right, over the last 10 days. And it hasn't really worked until, like, today. You know, I'm really starting to feel the excitement of the game, like, today. Is that weird, Jack? Is that odd? Because, you know, for the World Series, I came in here the day after the Harper home run, sending us to the World Series. I was and I was ringing a bell, right? I was going crazy. Like, every run is different. Don't I seem toned down? Every run for every team, no matter what sport it is, is different. Yeah. And when you're an underdog who's not expected to go as far as you know a team would go like the Phillies it's a lot easier to you know get around it and get excited for it every day in and day out because you know you don't know how much longer that run's going to be alive for yeah but when you go into the playoffs as one seed you're expected to win and really we're expected to get to this game yeah. with how this roster was constructed it's a very and, good point and you know i feel like you're not going to be as excited two weeks out because you know you the expectations, especially as the season went on, with how good this team showed to be, was, you know, this team can go to the Super Bowl. This team is very capable of going to the Super Bowl. It's one of the most talented rosters in the NFL. And, you know, it's it's I think it's normal that your excitement's starting to get built now. Because two weeks out, you know, you you coasted your way here through the playoffs, two dominant playoff wins, mm-hmm. and you're like, Yeah, we're here. We're, we're you know, we belong to be here. We we blitz the teams in our way to get to this game. And now that now that you're close to the game, it's exciting starting to excitement starting to build up a little bit. So that's normal. Yeah, yeah. It's, never, so everyone's just different. So it's all just going to finish up with saying that. No, you're good. It's it's a very uh, very good point. I, I almost feel like winning in 2017. I don't want to say it took away from this. Um, it definitely but it's different. Didn't. It's 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 incredibly different. And, and what you brought up about the the underdog thing and and the you know we were supposed to get here like. It's a very good point because for the Phillies, right, game one of the wild card round, we were I from the beginning. was locked in. I was, like, laser-focused on it, right, when, when um, oh, testing my, my, my knowledge, Yepes hit the home run. Yep, Juan Yepes hit yeah. that home run right down the left field line. Yeah, when Yepes hit the home run, right? And, uh, the seventh off Alvarado. Yep, yeah, sign of things to come. <laughs> um, and, uh, you know, our neighbor had walked in, and we're all jumping up, screaming, get out! Get out! Right? Because the first pitch they were there for. All right, home run. Um, we were, like, laser-focused from first pitch of the playoffs. For for the Eagles, you're exactly right. I was like, I went in there not with, like, a, oh, man, this is awesome mentality. I went in there with a, if they lose to the Giants, like, I will never live that down. Right? Not them. I. Right? Because it has a personal 
<laughs> it's a personal vendetta on me, right? For some reason. But I was like, that would be like the biggest disappointment ever to have the season we just had and, and lose to the Giants. Um, we obviously destroyed the Giants, but I couldn't enjoy that because I was like, well, yeah, of course, right? Like, duh. And then the Niners, right? That would have been a great win if it was like a close game, you know, whatever. But you know, they weren't. They didn't have a quarterback, right? So I can't really, really, really get excited. Yes, we blitzed them. Yes, that's cool. Great to see our run offense and our run defense. But I, I need to, you know, I need to feel something. And and I don't mean I want to be losing in the Super Bowl. And it goes back to the point where, you know, you're not really tested. It right. kind of takes away from the, you know, magnitude and the potential glory of that run. Yeah, it feels like, like, yeah, we, we're here, but, man, it was easy to get here. I mean, you really don't say that too often in a playoff yeah. run. Yeah. You know, and again, it just goes back to how this roster was constructed, how everyone's been playing this year and this and that. And we could talk about a variety of things that we've already talked about with this team, but... Man, when you coast your way to the Super Bowl, winning by 20-plus points, you I mean, you won by 31 against the Giants and 24 against the Niners. Yeah. I mean, I mean, those are two coast wins. Those are yeah. not close games. They really weren't close for a majority of those games. I mean, the Giants game was pretty much over from, what, the first five snap. minutes in in the first quarter. It was 14 yeah. nothing. so was that bad. game was done early on. And then in this one, it really it took, took a little halftime. Yeah. It was 21-7 half at halftime. You knew if, I mean, no one knew Purdy was going to come back at halftime. And no one knew that he had a torn UCL and still found a way to throw to pass on that. By the way, that's incredible in and of itself. But, I mean, yes, you know, it's much easier to be locked in at a team. Also, the Phillies didn't make the playoffs for 11 years. Right, that. exactly. So there was so much. That's what I said. A lot there of was so much built up beginning. over a decade of no playoffs, right? Eagles won a Super Bowl five years ago. Um, and, and They've been in the playoffs consistently. Yeah, they've been here, right? The, but the, there haven't been too many, like, locked in heartbreaks. You know what I Like, I. It's a weird point. Like they, uh, the the Bears game would have been one, right? Coming off the Super Bowl, losing in the wild card, but they they won on the double doink, right? That was weird. That was crazy. I was hyped. Um, but then the the Alshon Jeffrey drop into the arms of was it Lattimore? Yes. Yeah, that was that was the crushing loss uh, in the playoffs. Next year, Carson Wentz gets knocked out in the first quarter. That almost felt like a well, we you know never really had a shot. So what's the point? Why are we here? I uh, didn't make the plays, and then just getting you know absolutely crushed by the Buccaneers with a quarterback I w- that I was like, this guy's awful, and is now in the Super Bowl. Um, that was last year, so there hasn't been any like real playoff tension for the Eagles, which I guess kind of will be good when the Super Bowl kicks off because that's automatic tension, and and it will be something I haven't felt since that game in 2017. Maybe that, that you're going to be anxious, Jeffrey game in 2018. But yeah, I'll be I'll be anxious. I'll be pacing around the yeah. room from kickoff. I mean, your heart's going to be like you know, kind of in the pit of your stomach from the get go, just because of how you know excited and slash nervous you are for this game. And the good thing about this though is, uh, I, I think these are the two best teams in the league. I really do. And um, the good the good thing about that is, even if one of the teams is up like 21 seven, like it was at halftime in the NFC Championship, it's not game's over. not over. Now, both teams have firepower. Both teams can come back, make plays. It's going to be a really fun Super Bowl for minimum three quarters, right? You know, there's always the chance someone's up by, like, you know, 17 in the fourth, and you're like, all right, whatever. But uh, and, and if the Eagles are doing that, I will be loving every second of it. Um, I think we're in for a really good Super Bowl this year. Super Bowl 52 is arguably one of the best Super Bowls. Where, do you, where does that rank on your Super Bowls of your lifetime? Oh, the one where you beat New England? Yeah. Um. Ooh. Good question. That was a back and forth game, a lot of scoring, a good one. big plays. 
Super Bowls that I actually remember watching, it's say top five for sure. Definitely. Um, top two. I think it's top one, but that's a little biased. I know I a lot of people put 2016 over it. Was The best one for me was the Giants beating the undefeated New England team. That's a good point. I forgot. I just think that that, that team yep. was so... Everyone was like going in saying, "Oh man, this Patriots team! This is the best team of all time." You could say, with they because they didn't lose a game. Mm-hmm. You, know, you could say, "Well, oh, they're up there with the '85 Bears," but then the Giants found a way to stifle them. Yeah, seventeen fourteen, man. I believe that was the final of that game. Um, but wow, I mean that that one's got to be number one for me. Eli getting it done against Brady. It's a very good point. You know, the Giants kind of were the team that no one expected to be there, and they shocked the world. So. How about That's after that? What's the best that does not involve your team? It's not probably that one. I honestly, I would say mm. the Falcons and the Patriots, but that one kind of just ticked me off. Yeah, that one left a really bad I was just bad so heavily rooting mouth. for Atlanta. Yeah. I think um, I, I'll never forget this that Alfred picked six right in the second quarter. Yeah. And yeah. I was like, my, my dad was outside doing something, and I was watching. I'm like, go, 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 pick six. I'm like, Yo, this game might be a wrap. Like I was in, I was in high school at the time. I think it was freshman, mm-hmm. and I was like, "Yo, this game might be done." Yeah, it might be done after Lady Gaga. Might be over. Might have, might have and to then, turn it off. And then it wasn't. Yeah. And Atlanta fans will never forget that. Yeah. Sorry, Chris. Yeah, uh, man, oh, Chris. <laughs> yeah. Chris, I'm so sorry. Poor guy. But uh, you know what I think is underrated is uh, last year's Rams Bengals. Really good Super Bowl, I thought at least. What'd you think? Yeah, last year was a good one. Yeah, it was the you know very close game, back and forth. Had the last minute touchdown for Cooper Cup. Um, also, Steve Spagnuolo was the Giants' co- uh, D coordinator for that team. Well, good for you. It was the Chiefs' defensive. You look happy and healthy. Not me, if you ever cared to ask. Okay, <laughs> quoting Olivia Rodrigo. Uh, you know. So, I got I got quotes out the anything wazoo. anything is uh, open to being said on the show. Of yeah. course, if it's FCC friendly. Anyway, let's get back to the actual game in front of us here. Yeah. How, uh, how do you see the secondary stacking up? How do you think, uh, especially relative to the offenses they're going against and the receivers they're going against? Uh, you're a matchups guy. You were right about the potential matchups, I think, in uh, the Eagles-Giants, right? You said, yeah, there's not really much here. Uh, Eagles-Niners, you know, you talked about Kittle in the beginning. You saw that working. Uh, what do you see for matchups, uh, Eagles-Chiefs, in specifically receivers to, to coverages? Well, I think Mahomes is a quarterback who likes to get the ball out of his hands quickly. I mean, he's a guy who doesn't like to hang on for a long time unless he's, you know, going to go out of the pocket and make a play, uh, which, you know, he does quite often if he's feeling healthy. He didn't really do that a whole lot last week because of his ankle, but he was making plays in the pocket. He's such a dangerous quarterback and can do such a variety of different things uh, and make you pay as a defense. So I expect a lot of Kelsey try to get the defense, the secondary to pinch in, then take a shot down the field with either MVS or whoever they like to go to. Uh, depending on who's exactly there, um, I believe Juju's going to play. I think I have not heard any negative news around Juju or MVS. So. Yeah, or anyone. I mean, yeah. outside of Hardman. Outside of Hardman, we really haven't heard much. Um, I heard. Did they lose a defender? I feel like they did after the uh, AFC Championship. They lost. Uh, I forget. I'll have to look it up. We will. We will scour for that Chiefs but, uh, injury report. There, yeah, Chiefs injury report. Um, yeah, so, I mean, do you think, uh, so it sounds like what you're saying is a lot of short checkdowns, um, that might not involve more so the Eagles corners that they have and, and CJ Gardner Johnson, right? They're, they're secondary so much to stay away from that. Yeah. I think Isaiah Pacheco also going to have a big game in terms of being used out of the backfield. So, you know, reliable check down. You're a Pacheco guy. I do like Pacheco. He, the way he, especially in the AFC championship game, the way he was, you know, able to 
catch the ball out of the backfield. Just never quit on play. Man, he is relentless. He is, he, he's tough. And, you know, he's going to be amped up at this game, not just because of the Super Bowl, but he grew up 40 minutes away from Philadelphia. Yeah. Uh, in New Jersey, he was a Rutgers kid. Uh, you know, he's a guy, he's a local guy. You know, he was around Philly, and, you know, this is going to be a big game for him. I believe the Eagles were his, you know, child of the team. I could be wrong, but just being in so close proximity would be a safe assumption. Mm-hmm. Um, but you well, never know. I, I hope they use him a lot. I Because uh, I think the Eagles against running backs have been stellar this year. I mean, run defense is awesome. Uh, and in the past, I think... Uh, Running backs out of the backfield, you know, there was the McCaffrey touchdown. Other than that, nothing um, really for running backs to this play. I mean, they faced Christian McCaffrey and uh, Saquon Barkley in the playoffs, and they've given up one touchdown, which yeah. shouldn't have even but been a touchdown. But you haven't faced Isaiah but... Pacheco yet. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Better than those two combined. Yeah, oh, yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Now, you know the real monster who just got activated? Clyde Edwards-Alaire. You know, you know who could be a monster? Who? Jarek McKinnon. Uh, if Jarek McKinnon puts up two touchdowns on the Eagles, I will stop watching at whatever point in the game he, that he's happens. He's a dangerous pass catcher, man. They could put him in the slot. They could put him in a lot of different areas as a pass catching back. He's a change of pace kind of guy. I don't know. He could have an impact. You never know. It's the Super Bowl. Yeah. This is the Detroit. This is the Super Bowl. This is not Detroit, man. This is the Super Bowl. Uh, exactly. There's always that unknown guy, right? I think Super Bowl 52 is Corey Clement. Yep. He became like the, wow, where did he come from? And we'll talk about the Eagles who may have a guy like that on their roster. Do you think they do? Uh, I, I, I'm not, I will wait to give my opinion He's on gonna that. He's going to wait to give his opinion. Okay. Um, how about the the other side of it uh, for the question I asked? How do you think the Eagles receivers and, and uh, playmaking stacks up against the Chiefs, uh, mostly their secondary? What do you think? This is a young secondary for Kansas City. Could they be potentially exposed? They could. But you know what? They played pretty darn well against Burrow and, and, and the Bengals last yes, week. they did. And, you know, they made some mistakes, but they learned from it. And one example I really like to use was they did a sluggo route with uh, Chase in the first half on that fourth down, get that 35-yarder down the field. They tried the same thing with Higgins on the other side of the field later in the game. It was deflected into the air and intercepted. And these young DBs are learning. You know, they, they see similar looks. They can identify it. I don't know if the Chiefs defense, this Chiefs defense has been better than they've been in years past. We talked about this last week. And this is kind of similar to where their defense was in production when they won the Super Bowl. Kind of around this 11-15 range. They can, they're, they're not a uh, liability of a defense. They're a defense that can go out. They can get some stops. Uh, and they've played pretty well against some pretty good offenses this year. Uh, I think last week was a really good showing of that, uh, holding that talented, talented Bengals team to just 20 points. Uh, I mean, that yeah. was impressive to that me. That was impressive. So we'll see how that shakes out. But I think the secondary can hold their own. But maybe early we see uh, we, we see these Eagles receivers get the best of them. And as the game goes on, the secondary gets acclimated and settles in. Hmm. Okay, so do you think uh, A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith, we got to go to break here in a minute after this quick question. Do you think uh, Brown and Smith are a better one-two punch than Chase and Higgins? Ooh, that's a tough question. That is a tough question, isn't it? No, but it's marginal. No? I think this year, yes, but it's marginal. This year. I And I think both of these guys are still growing compared to Okay, if I had to rank those four guys, I'd go one Chase, two Brown, three Higgins, four Smith. Really? Yes. Wow, okay. I don't think that's particularly atrocious. A.J. Brown might be better, man. It's just, it's so close, but they're two completely different receivers. They are. They're they're very, very, very Brown's a guy who's just so big and physical. I mean, he can do so many different things. He can go deep. He can run. They're both great route runners. Chase is kind of a more of a... He's a speed demon. Yeah, he can. He can fly by... uh, 
He can also go up and make contested catches. They're both phenomenal receivers. They both have all of the skill sets you. Look exactly. For. They're all. They, they both possess the things that you want in a number one wide receiver on your team. And Devontae Smith and T. Higgins could both be number one receivers on other teams. They could. So yes. it's a very good. Uh, it's a good question. I think it's really close. Yeah. Uh, you can't go wrong with either way you lean on that question. Yep. But uh, like Mitch. Uh, went to uh, aforementioned, I would say. Yeah. Uh, we do have to go to our final break of our number one, but when we come back, we'll get into a, uh, a little bit more discussion and who I think the Eagles have as a secret weapon uh, here uh, for Super Bowl 57. So all that and more coming right next on the flip side of this break here on Heavy Hitters on the radio voice of Kutztown University. Get your Kutztown. And welcome back into Heavy Hitters. Mitchell Smedley, Jack Heim, final segment of our number one. Don't worry, we are not even halfway done with the show yet. Still plenty of sports talk coming your way. More Super Bowl talk we're going to get into. Uh, and we got some other tidbits to hit as well uh, throughout our number two. Uh, but, of course, main focus on the upcoming game, Super Bowl 57, featuring, um, I think the national anthem is, uh, why can't I think of it? Tennessee whiskey. Um, do you know who I'm talking about? I don't. Yo, I don't know that's Chris Stapleton. Wow, I could not think of that. Chris Stapleton, I believe, is doing the national anthem. And uh, Rihanna doing the halftime show. You excited for that, Jack? You a halftime show guy? No. No? <laughs> no. No? Doesn't, um, uh, doesn't get me excited. Yeah, all the guys are like, this is like my you know 20-minute break where I can like relax. And all the women are like, this is like the, you know, this is what we watch for. <laughs> this is our moment. <laughs> this is not Detroit, man. This is the Super Bowl. <laughs> this is why we watch the Super Bowl. No, but um, in all uh, seriousness yeah. here. Let's get back to uh, what I was – we were talking about um, secondaries and, and weapons matching up against them. And, you know, I just wanted to point out for the Eagles, I think uh, I think they have the – I think they have a better all-around set of weapons than the uh, than the Bengals. I don't think you would dispute that, even if the receivers are marginally better, right? You know, you yeah. factor in Dallas Goddard. He's better than anything else the, the Bengals have. Um, and you factor in um, – well, they have a good running back in Mixon, so uh, Miles Sanders is pretty good, too. <laughs> I was going to say, I, I didn't know. What, it sounded like you were going to go with that Miles Sanders is better than Joe Mixon. And Hot I'm like, take. I'm well, like, well, I'm not I'm not sold on that one. How did Mixon do in the AFC Championship? I might make a, a little wager here. Uh, I'll look up his, his line and then uh, decide if I want to say Miles will have a better, uh, better um, week against no. the Chiefs. No, no. Well... Uh, Sanders has to do very little to have a better week than Joe Mixon did. What did Joe do? Eight carries. Eight carries. A long of seven yards. Woo! 19 yards total. Love it. Yeah, I, you know, I'll make it interesting. Miles Sanders will have a better day than Joe Mixon in the first quarter. <laughs> yeah, I'll make it interesting. <laughs> I'll make it, you know, it's, you know, he's got to get 20 yards. Miles Sanders could do better on one play. He might, honestly. <laughs> yeah. So, so, you know, better all-around weapons, right? So... Uh, anyways, we're going to go over to Jack. We're talking about weapons here. What is your so-called secret little X-Factor uh, weapon that the Eagles might have up their sleeve? Maybe not a secret to many, or I'd say many Eagles fans, but a guy I absolutely love in the Eagles' backfield who can do a lot of damage over the course of this game, the way he's been playing the past couple weeks. I'm going to go with Kenny G. Kenneth yeah. Gainwell, the Memphis product, played under Mike Norvell, Florida State coach. That is a relation to me uh, in college. Uh, Kenneth Gamewell, man, he is a guy who he's, he's a physical runner. He can get downhill. Uh, he just runs at you hard. He's not giving up on plays, pushing through, fighting fighting through till the final whistle. And, man, I just like the way that dude runs the ball. He's hard-nosed. It's, he's, he's not taking his reps for granted. He's yeah. playing playing pretty well. He's another guy who can, like I mentioned, change the pace. Sanders is more of a uh, 
You know, he can get downhill and, and bully ball you too, but he's a guy who thrives, I would say, in, you know, getting to the outside and getting in space. Yes. So, uh, well, Gainwell is a guy who can just, you know, run out the middle, you know, ground a pound. So I, I like the way, I wouldn't say he's similar to Clement. He's a different skill set, but he can he do reminds a lot of the things of Clement, that Clement can right? do. Yeah. And he started uh, just like Clement, you know, third on the depth chart behind uh, Miles Sanders and the giant killer Boston Scott. Would it kill you to see Boston Scott in the end zone on Sunday? Boston Scott, I hate you. <laughs> not personally, man. It's not the personal. It's just why you do this. It's only the Giants. It's only the, it's only the Giants. He did score against the Niners. I don't okay? care. So he might not have more than half of his touchdowns against the Giants anymore. I think that's so funny, though. I, I, it's some impressive. It was like 11 of like 14 or something. It was something crazy. Touchdowns in Boston Scott's career are against the Giants. Just so funny. Uh, yeah, the Eagles' backfield, it reminds me a lot of uh, of the 2017 thing. Well, I don't think you have quite the skill of Blunt, Ajayi, and uh, Clement. But oh, you do Jay have... Ajayi, man. Yeah, but you do have three uh, capable backs in Miles Sanders, Boston Scott, who just runs under people, and uh, Kenny G, uh, Kenneth Gainwell, who had that um, 38 or 40-yard touchdown against the... Uh, Against the Giants, when that game was already over, uh, to make it thirty-eight to seven, a number we love so much here in Philadelphia, brings back really good memories. Um, that's a really good point. You know, I, I didn't, I wasn't going to talk about Kenneth Gainwell. I think Sanders is the headline of the backfield, but it's a really good point that they, uh, you know, just like the Chiefs, you talk about, you know, well, maybe not just like because I think Edwards Alaire is not that good anymore, and. Uh, Pacheco might be, but I, I think the Eagles... Pacheco is the guy for Kansas City. The guy, the so is he better than Miles Sanders? No. Not better yet. than uh, Kenneth Gainwell? Yes. Ooh, okay. Yes, he is. Wow. Um, yeah, and then um, any other offensive uh, pieces you want to talk about? You want to talk tight ends? We can. I mean, it's not really a discussion. It's not a discussion. But... but Kelsey's... This offense, you know, usually it moves through Mahomes. Uh, but the Eagles know that the the Chiefs have limited receiving options and they have a limited quarterback to some capacity in the leg. This the only unlimited piece of this offense. Actually, was he dealing with something? I don't really know. The the Chiefs offense is going to move through Travis Kelsey on Sunday, much like the Eagles is going to move through Jason Kelsey, their star center. The Kelsey brothers are at the forefront of this entire uh, Super Bowl hearing, and Travis, you know. He is becoming one of the greatest tight ends to ever do it. Uh, and, and we I saw, put him on my tight end, Mount Rushmore. I'd yeah, absolutely. Right 100%. Um, and we saw how the connection between Brady and Gronkowski started destroying the Eagles from within uh, in the second half of Super Bowl 52. I think a similar thing could happen with Mahomes and Kelsey. Where you're just gonna be, Eagles fans are just going to be left screaming, like, why is Kelsey open? Why is Kelsey open? It, he just, it's just so he hard just to gets guard. open. That's how he is. So it's gonna. It could be a rough, uh, rough day at the office. Here's my thing: the Eagles' run defense has to not just be good; it has to be great. Because if you're giving up three yards and three yards, right, and it's third and four, Kelsey will get six yards and get you a first down, right? But if it's third and eight, third and nine, right, Kelsey, you know, he'll have to, you know, extend the route a little more. It's not gonna be such an easy checkdown. I think first and second down, uh, as usual, are going to have a big effect on third down. But, uh, you know, it's a, it's a game of inches sometimes. And, and Mahomes being able to just hit Kelsey over the middle for five to seven yards, because that's how, you know, Jonathan Gannon loves to play defense, apparently, is just give up seven yards. Good for you, Mitch. 
I, I really put thought into it this time, Jack. That's how John Gannon loves to play defense and give up seven yards. And it's going to be very easy to give up seven yards against Travis Kelsey. So I think that's a, a mismatch, uh, a coverage issue for the Eagles. You probably think similarly, right? I do, but uh, I'll give you my thoughts on that in just a moment here after a quick message from the KU or Notebook Attention KU community. The KU Supply Chain Management and Logistics Club would like to invite you to, do, to a discussion with Gerald Lowe from Condor Cargo on Thursday, February 9th, tomorrow, from 11 a.m. to 12 p.m. in Old Main, room 299. Gerald Lowe will be talking about life after college as well as discussing intelligent supply chain management. If you have any questions, please contact Club President Scott Giuliano at sjuli421 at live.cutstown.edu. Once again, that's sjuli, J-U-L-I, 421 at live.cutstown.edu. We hope to see you there. This message of community interest is brought to you by the radio voice of Kutztown University, KUR. Heavy hitters wrapping up hour number one. All things Super Bowl talk. We talked about a lot of matchups already. We are currently talking about the tight ends for both teams, and specifically Travis Kelsey for the Chiefs, and obviously how much of a matchup problem he poses because he just tears pretty much every defense to shreds. Um, and I think what's important to balance off that you brought it up a little bit, the run game for Kansas City. Mm-hmm. If they're averaging around four and a half, five yards a pop, it could get bad. It's over. It could get real bad. It's over. Because then you're getting five on first down. You get, what, maybe another three or four on second. It's third and one. You give the Chiefs consistent third and ones, they're going to get them pretty much every time. Yeah. Actually, well, I don't know. I thought I heard during the AFC Championship say that, you know, on third and one, like the Chiefs are like one of the worst teams in the league converting short yardage, which is so shocking. Fourth and one, they're incredible. Yeah, fourth and one, but third and one, they can't do it for whatever reason. They so. just need that added pressure. Yeah. They like to make it dramatic. Maybe maybe, maybe you give them third and one, they can't get it. No. Yeah. No. <laughs> no, dude, that's not a good idea. I would not recommend Second doing that. Second and ten, guys, let's give them nine yards here. Guys, guys, let them get a yard shy of the sticks. They can't get it. They, can't they get two it. in their own heads. Yeah. So, no, but in all seriousness here, though, Kelsey, definitely going to pose a matchup problem. Uh, can the rushing attack of Kansas City do enough? Uh, to make this Eagles defense feel the heat, we will find out on Sunday. Mitch, any other matchups that strike you as important to talk about here? Um, I think, uh, you know, while we're talking about tight ends, I don't think it's it's right to ignore Dallas Goddard. Oh, it is. <laughs> I don't think it's right to ignore <laughs> Dallas Goddard. As I'm leaning down to grab my water. Oh, it is. That caught me off guard. That was good. Um, you know, he started the scoring against the Giants, right? He's a very great blocker. Uh, and receiver, and he just outmuscles people sometimes. Dallas Goddard is uh, an added layer of this Eagles uh, offense. I think he's the third best playmaker, um, you know, behind Smith and Brown. Not in that order, obviously. Brown and Smith uh, sounds like a law firm. It does. <laughs> Brown and Smith Associates. Yeah. Um, I think you know. Look, the Chiefs have a very good tight end. So do the Eagles, right? We saw this with Zach Ertz. He scored the game-winning touchdown, Super Bowl fifty-two. Uh, sometimes it's not the number one at the position that gets it done uh, in the in the bright lights. I think Dallas Goddard could play a key role uh, if uh, if Spags has you know uh, Smith and Brown locked up right. If he takes away the best weapons for Hertz, you know look for those secondary weapons. It's 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 disrespectful to call Dallas Goddard a secondary weapon. He's one of the best tight ends in the game right now. Secondary, no. no. Um, but uh, he really on this offense, he is the the secondary you know sort of weapon. Uh, type, but um, that's really all the uh, the playmakers I wanted to talk about. Obviously, we have the the offensive lines. We talked about them too, and uh, and and defenses. 
How do you cover the the Chiefs if you're if you're the Eagles, Jack? What's what's your sort of strategy? Do you maybe double Kelsey? That's what I'm saying, right? Like you could do you that, have to, right? But if you're going to do that, what do you maybe do? What a linebacker and then a safety on him? Could, could yeah. Play could have Gardner play th- Johnson up there. What is it, Maddox? Your nickel corner? Uh yes, yeah, Maddox. Maybe uh, you want to put Edwards and Maddox on him. Could have the safeties play too high, drop them back, and then. You know, play single coverage on the receivers. It's a good idea. I I definitely think I would play. Uh, I think Bradbury, Slay, right? These guys can handle single coverage, uh, no doubt. So I, I think doubling Kelsey really is the only option. But teams have doubled Kelsey. It just doesn't work. And he still gets open. The guy just finds ways to get open. So man. do you want to waste your time doubling Kelsey, or do I you wouldn't maybe use one of one of your guys on uh, like a spy from Mahomes, something like that, right? It, it, there's a lot of it's going to be intricate for. John Gannon, uh, to to figure out, but uh, for, emphasis. What about for the Chiefs? You know, how are you how are you covering this Eagles team? Because anything you try on Hurts just doesn't work. I'm I'm confident we can single coverage these receivers, and it's not because the receivers are like, well, you know, Brown to throw right. No, I think that Hurts did not throw the ball particularly well deep down the field last week. Mm-hmm. Does that concern me a little bit? Yes. Again, I mentioned earlier, you could chalk it up to, you know, bad day at the office. You didn't have it that day with throwing it down the field. But what if Hurts can't right. stretch the field? What if he can't take the shots down the field? What if that shoulder lingers? Yeah, what if that shoulder's still giving him issues? Mm-hmm. We don't know. The Eagles are definitely not going to say that, you know, publicly. publicly because then it gives the Chiefs, hey, you know, this guy's shoulder's not feeling too well. You know, maybe, it's, it, you know, maybe do we target that? And by the way, now that's not dirty. It's just part of the strategy. If you're, you know, that's why teams don't really reveal the players' injuries to the public because opponents can put in part of their game plan to cleanly hit the players there. You don't want to dirty hit players. That's right. a big no-no. But um, if it's a clean and you're coming in for the sack and you get him at the shoulder, stuff happens. Guys get hit. That's the way football's played. It's you know, it's a physically enduring game. But anyway, I digress away from that point. Um, yeah, what if if Hurts can't throw it down the field and, and, and make the Chiefs have to think about the deep threat? I mean, that's going to be huge because then you could just play guys underneath you know, maybe stack the box with seven, keep linebackers over the middle because, you know, why do you try, want to try some underneath slants over the middle with Brown and Smith? Mm-hmm. They like to run A.J. Brown and slant routes, quite, uh, slant routes quite a bit. So I'm interested to see if that's the case. If it's not, I could be totally, you know, this could totally just be hypothetical, uh, by the way. But if, if it is the case, that's going to be huge for how uh, Shane Steichen and this offense approach their game plan going into this one. Yeah, it just seems like anything uh, teams have tried against a healthy Hurts, uh, hasn't worked. So if he's healthy, man, this this could really uh, bode well for the Eagles. I think the Good. Eagles have the superior defense. Uh, I think the Eagles have um, a lot of superior offensive players. Obviously, Mahomes and, and Kelsey are the exceptions. But uh, man, oh man, Jack, I really, I really think the Eagles can and will win this game. I really think so. If there's a Chiefs receiver, Juju. Okay, I was going to say, if there's a Chiefs receiver you think can make you guys pay or you're a little scared of, who would it be? Juju, Juju. Smith-Schuster. Okay. Which, I mean, could you imagine? Could you imagine? Oh, the pain. The pain! Why must every 11 minutes of my life be filled with misery, Jack? Yeah, I think Juju's a good pick. MVS went off in the AFC Championship game. I don't know. I don't think he replicates that. I don't think so His play either. style, I just don't know what would, would fit to do well against the Eagles defense. No. He's um, more of a big shot guy. Yeah. And you can get those. You can get those, but I think uh, the Eagles have done a great job limiting that against them this year. Juju's a guy who can do a lot of things. He can run deep. He can run over the middle. 
pick apart short intermediate game. I think there's a guy Mahomes would go to outside of Kelsey in terms of getting it consistently down the field. I think Juju would be a great pick to get that done. I like your thought process there on that one, Mitch. But with that being said, we're going to step aside for our hourly break. When we come back in hour two, hour number two, we're going to wrap up our Super Bowl discussion. There's always MLB debates and tidbits that we find our ways to get into. <laughs> uh, and then we'll talk a little bit about NHL if time permits. And as always, we'll wrap up the show with a little college hoops discussion. Thank you all for tuning in to today's edition. As always, we'll be back for hour number two momentarily here on the Radio Voice of Kutztown University, KUR. Yeah, it's hour number two. Final hour of heavy hitter sports talk. Before Super Bowl 57, starring your Philadelphia Eagles facing off against the Kansas City Chiefs. We're talking about it. All things Super Bowl here on Heavy Hitters. Jack, how we feeling for hour number two? Meh. Feeling good? No, I'm feeling pretty good. Um, <laughs> how about what I just found on Twitter? On Twitter. Twitter. <laughs> Kevin Hart. <laughs> Kevin Hart. Kevin Hart has spent $16.5 million. The big Eagles fan, Philadelphia man. $16.5 million? $16.5 million, Jack. He bought an Eagle. And he named it Jalen. Yeah, I tell you, you know you have a lot of money. Yeah. I don't know if I can say what he just said in the video. There's no <laughs> curse words, but it's, you know, it's it's charged Hold language. Up. We're not going to speed past that like you didn't just say what you just said. <laughs> we ain't got- I'm going to pull out a Kevin Hart line when yeah. we're talking about Kevin Hart. That was good. I like that. That gave me that bump bumps in my chest. <laughs> <laughs> He's so funny. I love him, dude. His comedy's hilarious. It is. Yeah. It is. Um, but he, he, he said that uh, when you work hard, uh, you deserve to treat yourself. And that's exactly what he did, he said. So um, $16.5 million for an eagle. Yeah, yeah. He's what do you loaded. Think? What do you think? I mean, eagles are very cool animals. They are. Like, I remember I went hiking, uh, I think it was not last summer, but two summers ago. Uh, me and my family went on an early hike and, um, you know, by my house, and we looked up and there was a bald eagle in the sky. And nice. it, it was incredible because, you know, you don't really see too many of those around um, in general. They're just, uh, are they, I don't know if they're endangered. I'm they were gonna, at I, some point. I don't, I don't want to wrongly reference that, but they are not a common thing you see. So it was very cool to see one soaring high in the sky. Yeah, that's nice. It's, but, uh, it's very American right there. It is. Yeah. Um, what do you think of that, though? You think that's uh, I don't know. I think it's fun. That's a cool investment, man. Yeah. $16.5 million, though, right? That's a lot of money. I did not think an eagle would cost that much. Yeah, same. But uh, he lives with him now. He does. Jalen. Uh, how long do you think that partnership lasts? <laughs> We'll find out. Yeah. I don't think too long. We will find out. I hope the Eagle is treated with safety and care. Oh, Kevin. me too. I think he will. Kevin's a great guy. Yeah, he does seem that way. Uh, Never personally met Kevin Hart. but Me neither. I wish. That'd be nice. That would be funny. We'll have him on the show next week. That would be, oh my goodness. Could you imagine? <laughs> if we were pulling guests like Kevin Hart, that would Man. be. Man. Uh, we'll be there one day. The, First it's IBS, great for then the it's show. Kevin Hart. Yeah, we'll be there later this month. Yeah. By the way, it all goes to our listeners uh, for allowing us to have this opportunity to just Thank you, you know, very to much. To do this, and yeah. why were IBS nominated, um, as, yep. as our news in the first hour mentioned. But, um, Jack, I want to talk, uh, get back to our Super Bowl talk. Yeah. Super Bowl MVPs, right? Big thing every year. Nick Foles. Patrick Mahomes. That's who you're going with? Yeah, it's the quarterbacks for either okay. team. So it's either Hurts or Mahomes. Yeah. I mean, okay. come on. What about anyone other than a quarterback? Highly doubt that. But Isaiah Pacheco. <laughs> okay. Oh, my God. <laughs> What about Hassan Reddick? 
Um, I think if it's anyone else, it's probably a DB, a couple of, maybe an interception, a fourth fumble, something along that line. Drinking hot tea. I thought it was hot cocoa. Oh yeah, or, or Kelsey maybe, depending on. I don't know. Could it's, be Kelsey. It could be. But uh, Jason yeah, Kelsey. I think you're, yeah, exactly. To the, to the center. If Jason Kelsey won Super Bowl MVP, that would be the happiest day of my life. I don't um, know. I don't know of any center or any offensive lineman actually has ever won any MVP. I doubt. I think it. it's impossible for that to happen. Could be. Kelsey would have to like snap the ball to himself. Yeah. At that point. And they're gonna throw it to Kelsey for a touchdown. Yeah. Phillies reminiscent of the Philly special from five years ago. So um oh yeah. Kelsey stands alone. We can bring that up. Uh Eagles run any trick plays, do you think? I think they have to. It's it's such like a you know, the nostalgia would be there. A Super Bowl staple, really. Yeah. I mean a lot of every pretty much every team runs a trick play at least once in the Super Bowl. Do they? I mean, it's oh, at least over the past several years it's been that way. Yeah, I feel like the Eagles started that. Eagles trip. did. You saw, I don't know if the Patriots or Rams did. I think the Rams probably did one because it's McVay, and he always does one. I think the Patriots uh, learned their lesson trying to throw it to Brady. Yeah, yeah. both teams did one in that game. Yeah. Um, let's see. Let's see. Last I remember year? Merrill Reese saying after the, after the Philly special, well, he can catch better than Brady. We know that. Last year, didn't OBJ throw one? I believe so. I think so. Before he got hurt, yeah, yeah, I think so. Um, I don't. There's none that like stick out to me in the last uh, few years. The Philly special is the gold standard of Super Bowl trick plays, aside from like the onside kick, right? Yeah. Um, so other than that, I can't really think of any. All right, one more thing I want to note on. We talked about it a little bit. Chiefs offense, you know, run game. I was I was watching a video during break, and it was interesting to know that the Eagles are 24th in rush defense. What? They average a lot. They average around you know 4.6 yards a carry. What? Yeah, I did not know that. They've been playing better than that in the playoffs. The playoffs. That's definitely and Pacheco averages five yards a pop. That mm. is huge. That is big. They can definitely expose that. Uh, now that you know this information, are you a little bit more concerned? Yes. Yeah, I thought the Eagles' run defense, just it passed the eye test better than that. You know what I mean? I feel like maybe a lot of that is uh, after, you know, the game is over because we have been destroying people. But uh, that's that's definitely a concern. I I just feel like in the first quarters of a game, right, like the Eagles have usually locked down on that. I don't remember, like, running backs going crazy against the Eagles. Right? What sticks out to you? I mean, maybe the Pollard-Zeke. In the Dallas game? It yeah. It wasn't even that good, though. Um, trying to think. Justin Fields was the last person that really tore up this defense, and that was a quarterback running the ball. Um, I guess I guess uh, Montgomery had a good, good game that day as well. He caught his touchdown, though. Maybe he ran one as well. Uh, trying to think. The Titans didn't do anything with uh, Henry. Saquon so. never did anything. Yeah, I mean, going yeah, back. I mean, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, we'll get back to it. In Interesting that it's 24th. Yeah. Quick message from the KU Notebook, however, though. Attention KU community. The East Central PA Scholastic Art Exhibition will be held in the Miller Art Gallery at the Sheridan Arts Building from Saturday, February 18th through Sunday, March 5th. KU welcomes the winners of this highly competitive juried award program for students in grades 7 through 12 in Berks, Carbon, Lehigh, and Northampton counties. Free and open to the public, the exhibition is open Mondays through Fridays from 10 a.m. to 4 p.m., Saturdays from 12 p.m. to 4 p.m., and Sundays from 2 p.m. to 4 p.m. Be sure to also come to the award ceremony on Sunday, March 5th 
from 2 p.m. to 3 p.m. at Schaefer Auditorium. The award ceremony is also free and open to the public, and doors for the ceremony open at 1.30 p.m. We hope you are able to see the best artwork made by local students. This message, this message of community interest brought to you by the radio voice of Cincinnati University, KU. Our heavy hitters, hour number two, Mitch. We're rolling on through today's show after 10 a.m. here on the East Coast. 7 a.m. for all you Pacific out there. If yeah. you're listening to Pacific, we mentioned last week. I mean, wow. I mean, dedicated. Somewhere around uh, 2 p.m. Greenwich Mean Time. <laughs> we got to make that. Reference the times on every week. <laughs> I mean, we're going to run out after a while, but. There's only like 25 of them, Jack. Yeah. 24 plus, like, isn't there one that's like 30 minutes off over in like India or something? Yeah. I feel like, like I know that. I don't know. Maybe. I'm not, I'm not, you know. I'm, I'm not up time to date professor. for my time zone. I know the United States ones and that's it. A little past uh, 8 a.m. mountain time. Yeah. Hey, honey, it's about time to settle on down in mountain time. Ian Munsick. Anything else for Super Bowl you got, Mitch? I think we've talked about most of the main points I want to get to, so let's put it all together, Jack. Let's put it all together. How do you uh, give me give me some predictions? Give me score, right? Flow of the game, you know, whatever you want to do. Mostly score, though. Who's winning this game? Well, you know, I found an interesting tidbit yesterday, Mitch. Yeah. And a Reddit user who has well, it must be true then. Oh, well, let me get there. I know it sounds a little suspicious from the start of that, and yeah. I understand that. But a Reddit user who's incorrectly predicted the Super Bowl for 15 consecutive seasons <laughs> has picked the Philadelphia Eagles to no! win the Super Bowl. So, if the trend sticks true, no. the Chiefs would be winners of the Super Bowl. You see, I like that, though. I like that you just brought that up because that counteracts something I was worried about, which is you brought up the guy that was accurately predicting the World Series, had the Phillies, and they lost. The guy accurately predicting the so two Super clashing Bowl. guys, right? Who he, are so won, on, or, on incredible runs. By the way, how in how in the world can you incorrectly predict the Super Bowl for 15 consecutive years? You have a 50-50 shot every season. I mean, mathematically, that would right not work out, right? Right. That is. How does it even happen? Right. Just stick to one of the conferences. Eventually, you'll be right. Yeah, pick the AFC like every year, and you'd get one. Yeah. No, no, no. I'm gonna go back and forth every year and, and just, just manage ah. to miss it. Here's yeah. my gut feel, and I'm just gonna miss it every year. Like, how does one even do that? I got a gut feeling on the Panthers. I'll <laughs> tell you what. <laughs> Super Bowl last year, man. Burrow and the Bengals. Joe Burr. No. Joey B. Imagine how confident the guy was picking the Falcons at, at halftime. Oh no! <laughs> <laughs> What about the Seahawks? Oh, wow. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> no, dude, that means he had to pick Denver oh. in that blowout Super Bowl with, oh, the, with the Seahawks no. and Broncos and wow. MetLife Stadium. Right. Wait, so was that one before or after the Malcolm Butler Super Bowl? Oh, before, yeah. Okay. So he got burned by the Seahawks. Twice. And then picked them. <laughs> and they intercepted it. And they got burned by him again. Oh, it's so funny. <laughs> if all of this is true, by the way, I think a lot of these things have to be, like, photoshopped or something. It could, yeah. Right? Like, I don't think a lot of these are real. But you did mention the guy that picked the Eagles uh, and had been right on such an incredible run. And now, thank you for mentioning this, because one of those is going to have to be false. So I, I take a little more comfort in that. Thank you for bringing that up to me uh, today. But, um... Your prediction, Jack. How do you see Super Bowl 57 going? I'm wearing the Super Bowl 52 hat, by the way. How do I see it going? I don't know why I just brought that up, but just yelling the number. I, I'm touching the... <laughs> so I'm actually on right. I'm going to read this to you. Oh, man. Hi, I'm the guy who has incorrectly picked the last 15 Super Bowl winners, and I'm back with my Super Bowl pick. <laughs> I'm trying to... I'm just trying... Deep breaths, Mitch. 
deep breaths. <laughs> oh my goodness! I'm just all the way to... back to Super Bowl Forty Two. <laughs> I just, read, I just read this whole paragraph, and it's just so funny. Yeah. Oh, Keep going. <laughs> he says, I don't know about you guys, but I'm getting strong Minnesota Vikings vibes from Kansas City, a.k.a. the Minnesota Chiefs. Only the Vikings eked out more, more one-score wins than the Chiefs this season. Wow. Uh, then I didn't know that. Blah, blah, blah. Uh, listed those wins. And... You know, the Eagles have been rolling all season. One total loss when Hurts started, and that game was fluky. A couple turnovers late prevented Hurts from an undefeated season. Correct. And it's gotten better. Yes, the two playoff matchups weren't the toughest. Uh, some might say the Eagles' path to Super Bowl has been one of the easiest in history. Fair. Uh, they played a six seed, and yada, yada, yada. It might as well the most lopsided matchups of recent memory. Uh, Eagles win by 21. Oh, my. <laughs> no, I just added that last part in. <laughs> he did say the Eagles win. Oh. Problem is, I agree with everything he said. <laughs> wow. Uh, what do you think, Jack? It's you first. Man, it would. Why would it would just be so funny if he was wrong again? That would be. He's just so confident in the Eagles, and then the Chiefs find a way to muster it and get a win. Ah, <laughs> uh, by like sixteen too, where it's not particularly. Yeah, imagine it's close. like not particularly close. Wow. Oof. Okay, in my heart of hearts. In your heart of hearts. I, oh, man, why? Why do the Eagles have to be in this game? <laughs> I, I hate Dallas more than the Eagles, but still, it's, it's eternal the Eagles. torture. Eternal torture. And what makes it worse, I'm surrounded by Eagles fans. I love it. I don't. Fly, Eagles, fly. It's just like a. Victory. It's just strange fan base, man. There's nothing else like it in sports. No, I've never seen a fan base who. Get so enthralled by destroying their own city. <laughs> it's ours. It's ours to destroy. Don't worry about it. Yeah. Yeah. Let's destroy <laughs> and then have to pay for it again with our taxpayer dollars. <laughs> yes. We love it. You know, it, uh, it reminds me of that um, when everyone was mad about Bubble Buddy in SpongeBob. Right? <laughs> yeah. And Mr. Kyle was like, I see. We tip something over. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. All right. And, and also, so let's get to my prediction that we do have other stuff to talk about on the show today. Yes. So, if I had to get my final prediction, uh, Eagles 31, Chiefs 28. Yes! Uh, I love it. I love it. I love it. You were right about your World Series pick with the Astros. I love it. I was. Didn't I, did I say Astros in six? You did. And then after the comeback in game one, you switched to the uh, Phillies. I didn't not switch. You said, yeah, the Phillies are going to win it now. I remember I we did. were at that KUR okay, gathering. I did. I did because. Because you were upset. I was. I picked. I, I switched with emotion. Yeah. But it didn't switch on air. I was still right. No, you that. did not. I was still right with Astros in six. But uh, Jack Heim unplugged did waver to the Phillies. Waver? What's that? Waffle? Waver? I think it's it waver. waver. I think that's the waffle. Right <laughs> I was waffle? listening to um. Speaking of comedians, no waffling is is also a verb. It is. Yeah. Uh, Man, a waffle sounds good right about now. But I would love a waffle. Um, you know Bill Burr. While we're talking about comedians, yes. Uh, there's this awesome video. I recommend anyone check it out. Uh, it's called uh, "If Bill Burr Were an NFL Commentator," and it's some random game between the St. Louis uh, Rams and the uh, Seattle Seahawks. And he's commenting over the last, like, two minutes when the game's already decided to. And um, he's trying to think at some point, he's like, what do they need, a uh, 
a candlelight, uh, what's that word, village? Need a candlelight village. He can't think of the word vigil. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's one of the funniest videos. And then he even, like, talks over this commercial. It's, it's really funny. Uh, anyways, Jack Heim has picked the Philadelphia Eagles to win the Super Bowl. Wow. Uh, that's shocking. The only time I would, be, this is honestly, I would love to be wrong. Just going to put that on the record. Well, I'd love to be wrong in this moment. You won't be. And I was, and I love that I was right about the Astros. So it's depressing. I'd love to be right about that. I was, I love that I was right about that, and I'd love to be wrong about this. You honestly, know, honestly, if the Eagles win, it would not be as upsetting to me as if the Phillies would. No, won. because if the Eagles win, it would not be as joyous to me as if the Phillies won. Yeah, this feels like a, we're both like, more baseball guys. If the Eagles, I love football maybe more than baseball, Jack. But I've seen a oh, Super yeah. Bowl, and I, I haven't I'm seen a World more Series. Than oh, I know you are, and I am becoming a baseball fan more and more and more and more as my life goes on. Uh, I've just grown up around more football people, so that's kind of where I started my sports yeah, love. That makes sense. But uh, look, I mean, it's almost if the Eagles win, it almost feels like a consolation prize, and I, that sounds horrible to say. Like, how spoiled am I that, oh, no, you won a Super Bowl. Boo-hoo. 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 But, uh, I mean, just the Phillies dominating 7 nothing, right? Going up 2-1 in the series. And then getting no hit. What happened? And losing three straight. It is! What happened? Uh, this almost feels like a consolation prize. I right, before we go to break, lock it in. I'm between two numbers here for the Eagles, and they're one number apart. 19 to 11. Okay. That's uh, eight numbers apart. Um, I know, but that would be just such a gross score. That would be a disgusting score. I'm going to go with Eagles. Uh, 30. And the Kansas City Chiefs, 20. I think it's a double-digit win for the Birds. And um, I think there's a parade on Broad Street, and I might have to miss some school um, for that. Who knows? Maybe I'll, I'll have to miss a heavy hitters. Hopefully not. Hopefully did you I'll go be to the twenty seventeen parade? I did not. Wow, really? I did not. Wasn't feeling great. Dang. I was uh, slightly ill, so I unfortunate spent watching it at my other grandparents than the one I watched the. If uh, the Super Mets with. ever win a World Series, you'll be there. I will drop everything and go. Yeah, it's honestly it would be a moment I could not miss. No, I want this Super Bowl only for the fact of of going to a parade. Which, by the way, there could be some snow next week. Yeah, that would be crazy. That would be insane. Could you imagine, like, Eagles fans and players throwing snowballs at each other? That's the most Philly thing there is. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Just like they threw snowballs at Santa Claus. Well, well that's where we're going to leave it off. That's Something where we're going to leave it off. Philly. We're going to go to our first break of hour number two. We're going to move on. I've got a couple of MLB things to talk about. Uh, oh, and then we'll move on probably to finish up the show uh, with college basketball, presumably. So, plenty go more birds. sports talk coming to our next here on the flip side of this break on Heavy Hitters. Mm-hmm. Heavy hitters here on the radio voice of Kutztown University, KOR Kutztown, Jack I'm Mitchell Smedley, rolling on an hour number two. We wrapped up our Super Bowl discussion with our predictions. We both go with the Philadelphia Eagles to win. I did not expect you to pick them. It took a lot. What what brought you there? Let's analyze the pick. I looked, and it really wasn't a lot. And you might be like, huh? Well, I looked, and the Eagles have the better overall roster. Yeah. And it's tough to go with the team... To go against a team that is better overall from top to bottom. Yes, the, yes, the Chiefs is a better coach. Yes, the Chiefs have a better quarterback. But I like the Eagles' defense uh, from top to bottom better. Uh, I think the offensive and defensive lines both lean the Eagles' way. And I can't go against that. I, I just, it's just, 
as a football-based pick, mm-hmm. emotion purely out of it, the Eagles are the better team. It's going to be an exciting game. It should be a good game. It's not like, it's not like uh, you know, these two teams are like leaps and bounds far away from each other. It's not like the Eagles are just this, you know, this juggernaut and the Chiefs are just like, meh, well, they got here, but nah, they don't really have a whole lot going for them. But no, these are two, very, two of the most talented teams in the league. But it's going to be a close game. Then the Eagles win. Love it. Shall I love it. On? I love it. Moving on. A little bit of baseball to talk about? Yeah. Yeah, let's go. You I was just scrolling lines? through Twitter, right? Okay, Twitter. And I found an interesting stat uh, about new Met Justin Verlander. Hit me with your pet shark. In his final six starts of the 2022 season, Justin Verlander did not allow a single barrel. Not playoffs. Oh, I, I was, was going to say, Schwarber barreled him up. I believe. Just regular season. It ah. could be. I don't know, though. Maybe maybe it was. Players. I don't know. I'm wrong. But uh, who cares? It said uh, it said he also posted a .84 ERA, a 36.4 uh, strikeout to walk uh, rate, a 40.9% strikeout rate, and a .59 whip. That's incredible. It's very good. That's insane. It's over six is. starts, buddy. Six starts. I know, but I just found it so fascinating. And he gave up a horrible comeback in the playoffs in the World Series Game 1. Yeah, but they won. They did not win that game. No, they won the World Series. Oh, well, not, not thanks to him. Hey, he pitched pretty well in Game 5. Lead off home run to Schwarber. And I that think was that was it. the only run for him. And then the Phils scored later in the 8th. Yep, scored one more. Well, that was the turning point of the series. Two. That's where it really got solidified. Uh, 3-1 to one Astros. First and third. Brandon Marsh. Uh, or, no, Gene Segura hit a single. I, I, I think... Um, yeah, I think it was like second and third. Segura singled, and then uh, it became first and third. Run scored, so it was 3-2. And Brandon Marsh struck out. Kyle Schwarber flied out, and that was the end of the inning. And that was – that's when I got crushed. And then on top of that, uh, second batter of the ninth, of, of the bottom of the ninth, you know, Chaz McCormick decides, yeah, let me just ruin my former city. Loser. Yeah. Loser. What a man. Chaz McCormick makes the catch. So I saw, um, it was, uh, I think it was like a compilation of the most heartbreaking play in every World Series since whatever date. Uh, maybe like the last 10 years or whatever. And the, it had the, this was after last, uh, the j- this past uh, World Series. And they had the Chaz McCormick play from this one instead of the Alvarez home run. Do you agree? Chaz McCormick catch over the Alvarez home run? Yes. Instead of it, as the most heartbreaking play of the World Series. I mean, yeah. What, what if he doesn't catch that? What is the game tied? No, it was nobody, oh, nobody on, on, and it would have been a double. Would have been a double with Harper coming up. Well, I, well, uh, if that if that carries away from the wall there, Ramuto's got speed. I believe you mean, and Real Muto can run for days. Yeah, sure. Whatever, whatever terminology you want to use, he can run. He can fly. Uh, he could maybe. I'm not gonna say, you know, definitively an inside the park home run, but he could have. I don't know. The Alvarez home run was just, you knew it was over. Yeah, it was just the backbreaker. It was over. So, especially to be winning at that point, right in Game Six. Yeah. Well, Mitch, there's something we got to talk about that we haven't really talked a whole lot about on this show, and it's the World Baseball Classic. Oh yeah. 2023, it's returning. Uh, there's going to be 20 rosters that will be announced tomorrow night at 6 p.m. Uh, probably the, the favorites to win it will probably be the Dominican Republic, 
Sir Anthony Dominguez. United States. Um, uh, Puerto Rico and Venezuela have pretty good teams. Japan will be pretty solid. Uh, but I think the top two have got to be the, the, the DR, Dominican Republic, and the, and the U.S., right? Yeah, I think so. Uh, Phillies are well represented. We got uh, even Garrett Stubbs playing for Israel. Go him. Really? Yeah. How about that? I didn't know that's where he's from. Mark Vientos um, for the Mets is going to play for Nicaragua, but he he decided not to. Mm. Uh, I saw that um, the Twins' Carlos Correa decided not to, citing family reasons. Ah. Uh, but, yeah, the Phils have uh, Real Muto. Um, is it Schwarber? I think it's Schwarber. And I believe a pitcher. Uh, who was it? I forget. But uh, And then they have uh, Sir Anthony. Is Alvarado pitching for... Uh, is he pitching for Venezuela? Not sure. Um, but yeah, I, I know that the Phils have a few guys in it. So, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't, I've never watched it. I don't know when it is. Um, it's not particularly something I look forward to, but congr- congratulations to those guys for making it. How about the Mets? Are they represented? They are. I'm trying to find the full list now. I know Alonzo and McNeil are playing for Team USA. Lindor and Diaz, I believe, are both playing for Puerto Rico. Um, and maybe Seth Lugo, former Met as well. Cool. All cool, representing cool. Puerto Rico. Uh, these are the expected guys. Nimmo's going to play for Team Italy. Nice. Uh, is he really? Okay, is he Italian? I think Quintana, Narvaez, Carrasco, and Escobar will represent... Uh, no, those are different flags. Same colors, but different flags. I think the latter three will represent Venezuela. Man, they they should have really done... I, I need to get better on my flags. You not know your flags? Uh, I do a little bit, but like I just forget. I'm not like the Latin American countries. Like I think Venezuela and Colombia are the two that have the same colors. Mm. So let, let's look it up here. I think the latter three are from. Yeah, it's Venezuela. I was right. A lot of a lot of flags have like similar color schemes. You just know? with it's a like different symbol in the middle. Red, white, blue, and green are like the top four colors. You know what I mean? Yes. What about some flags with like purple and orange <laughs> and yellow? Right. What about green, blue, and purple? Oh, that would be a disgusting <laughs> flag. I know. I just try to pick the three be colors. Awful. <laughs> three colors that just do not fit together. Oh, that would be funny. Wow. But uh, we'll, we'll talk about those World Baseball Classic rosters when they're fully released on Monday. Um, that's gonna be interesting to note. Uh, that's gonna happen, I believe. Uh, Saturday. Okay, yeah, Saturday, February eleventh. Cool. Oh, no, it says the marathon cool. of 2017 World Baseball Classic Games begins for 11. Um, so I don't know when the actual this year's World Baseball Classic begins, but... So how uh, does that work? Is, soon. It, is it just one game and you're out? No, uh, so it's like pool play. I think there's like four groups of five. Mm. Round or robin. five groups of four, uh, one of the two. Um, yeah, and it's kind of round robin type deal. Mm. So Similar to the World Cup. Yeah. So... Um, I was concerned when I saw some real playmakers for the Phils participating. Is is there has there ever been like a major injury in the World Baseball Classic? That, Not that I remember. Okay. So I think that I don't know if that's. I mean, anyone can get hurt in any game, right? So I don't know if that's the number one concern here. Yeah, I get nervous. I, I think it's just good that a lot of the you know great players from all across the world get to play for their respective countries. I think it's fantastic. I just get nervous, especially with pitchers. You know, yeah, especially with pitchers. Because you have a different managing style, right? Um, so it's really on the player to speak up and say, hey, I can't go. Or, hey, I can do this, you know. 
Um, a guy like Sir Anthony, which will be so in- instrumental to this Phillies team. You know, if something happened during the World Baseball Classic, that would just be crushing. I understand he's got his own personal endeavors, though. So, uh, you know, congratulations to him for making it. Best of luck to him pitching, and, uh, you know, just stay healthy, my man. Well, supposedly, Bo Bichette gets a three-year deal with the Blue Jays to avoid arbitration, so he's going to be staying nice. there for a little bit. Uh, John Barty re-ups the Marlins. They uh, avoid arbitration as well. $2.15 million deal for uh, for Mr. Birdie. Um, outside of that, not really a whole lot. Pitchers and catchers report in a week. Some guys are showing up early uh, to their respective training camp spots. I know the Mets is Port St. Lucie. I don't know where the Phillies are down in Florida. Uh, Clearwater. Clearwater. Yeah, I've been there. So Let's I've always go wanted to go to spring Astros. training. Yeah, your story about that. I can't so. believe that. Ugh. That always irks you. It does. It's a weird memory. Because they were like, it was like this brother and sister. You know how you can just tell by the voices, you know what I yeah. mean? Yeah. I could tell it was this brother and sister on the complete clear other side of the stadium. And I, like at eye level with me, right? Like same level up. And I was just like, I hate you. For no reason. For no reason. I hate you. Yeah. Angel Hernandez, you stink. And I don't like you. Remember that? Oh, I do. Yeah. Oh, that was a crazy game. You just see at. Hernandez laughing as he's driving away. Yes. What a loser. So- just calling a bunch of people losers right now. So, uh, man, I cannot wait to be back at that ballpark. You know, Clearwater? No, no, <laughs> Citizens Bank. Now, Clearwater's a really nice ballpark too. Yeah, I mean, if you ever get the chance, uh, if you ever get the chance, even though you're a Mets fan, like Clearwater is still such a nice, nice place. Um, I want to go to Port St. Lucie Pet Care Park. Is that what it is? Um, Not sure. I think so. I forget the name, but uh, yeah, really, really fun. Um, we took a trip to Florida, and they just happened to be playing. So we're like, let's go. Let's go, man. Let's go. We're almost there. We're getting uh, towards we're one the week season. Until they report, right? Pitchers, catchers. Yeah. Yeah, toward the season. Uh, almost uh, almost just a month and a half to go. When is opening day for the uh, Phils and Mets? Uh, Mets is March 30th. Phils are either the 30th or the 31st. the same day for the Phillies. Is it? Let's because there's usually like games, like that Thursday, and then there's Friday. Like I remember, like this past year, the Phillies opened up on Friday the eighth, and the Mets had a Thursday game on the seventh, I think. And I was like so mad. I was like, I want to go now. You know, I the think Mets, I'll eat it now. Mets is March thirtieth at four ten. Nice. I will be watching against day. the Marlins, home or away? Away. Okay. In so we both head. start away. That kind of I haven't, you know. The Phillies have been home for their openers uh, 2019, 2021, 2022. Ooh, Mitch, you have no no game to talk about on that Redneck Rush Hour. Ah, why not? They have a game Thursday, but they're off Friday. Okay, well, I'll talk about the Thursday game. Yeah. Yeah, so I'll get to actually watch it rather than uh, be interrupted. And it'll be on Sunday Night Baseball for the first Sunday Night Baseball of the year. Are we Sunday Night Baseball? Phillies-Rangers. Let's go! That's awesome. It'll probably be Ranger versus... That's awesome. That's so cool. What channel? ESPN. ESPN, ooh. They need to travel to the Bronx to take on the Yankees. Traveling to the... Oh, then we go... Oh, man, when's our home opener? Thursday, April 6th. Against... Cupcake. I'll have you try to guess it. Oakland. No. Uh, National League. National League. Uh, the Nationals. No. No? Um, even You could argue maybe even more of a cupcake. Even more of a... The, the Reds? Yes. Oh! <laughs> I love that's exactly... You knew where to go with that. <laughs> even Perfect. more? I was like, even more? <laughs> yep. 
Cincinnati Reds will come to town for three. Wow. Okay, and then? Well, you're getting the Reds over with early. You get three at home against them to start home opener, then three against Miami, and then you travel to Cincy for four. Oh, so you, okay. Rack with, up the wins. You're done with them in April. Dude, the only hard team there is the, the Yankees. I don't think the Rangers are particularly good. You don't play us till late May. That's crazy, man. That is. Uh, so we'll be on summer break. But we'll have to go, man. Play. We'll have to go. Maybe. We'll uh, we'll have some, some videos up on the uh, Heavy Hitters Instagram if that happens. Possibly, yeah. Yeah. Got to be careful in Philly, though, as a Mets fan. I'll protect you. I, j- I just took a Giants fan to the Eagles game. Not the playoff one. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, no, 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 not the playoff one. Yeah, no, nah, but they were, they were, so. they No no one, you know, obviously said anything too bad. They were just giving him a hard time. Just, hey, what are you doing here? <laughs> Go back to New York. You see? The Mets got a West Coast trip early in the year. Really? Go to Oakland, L.A., for the Dodgers, and nice. the Giants. I love it. I hear some losses in there. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe. Maybe. Maybe not. Um... Yeah, I don't think the Phillies are in town for my birthday this year, though, which is disappointing. When's your birthday? You had it, July. July. Oh, goodness. Quiz time. I'm going to look like a bad friend here. 22nd. I knew it was the day I was going to say 26th. Mm, 22nd. 22nd. You know my birthday? August 8th. 11th. No. No? August 8th? No. 6th. No. Seventh. No. Ninth. Nope. Am I close? Yeah. A little bit. August 5th. No. Fourth. Wrong direction. August 12th. No. August. I don't know. 15th. Is it? Yep. I thought it was the 8th. No. I'm a week off. So. Yeah. Okay. Well, we both got those summer birthdays. <laughs> we yeah. do. Um, we do. Yeah, we'll definitely get to a game, I'm sure. Uh, yeah. Maybe even that, that May series, you know? Maybe. Uh, maybe. Or when Harper comes back. Please stop. <laughs> I'm going to wear my Kyle Schwaber jersey. <sighs> I got to get a jersey, man. That sigh was so weak. <sighs> <sighs> um, is that better? That was a little bit better. So hopefully the uh, the Phillies will be uh, living it up early. I think we could beat the Yankees fairly uh, decently. I don't know. I think... You Sounds like a turn a reality set, check right? early. A reality it's check? It's not going to be like, oh, wow, the Phillies are just horrible to start. But I don't think they're going to be as dominant as you think they'll be. Meanwhile, Trey Turner and Kyle Schwarber are each at like 10 home runs before the end of April. Turner won't. Turner, right now. Turner will not he might. do that right now. Watch. Just watch. I want you to just sit back and watch. It's going to be huge. It's going to be beautiful. So. All right, with that being said, we're going to take our final break of today's show. Uh, when we come back, we'll probably get into our March Madness discussion. I'd yeah. say college basketball discussion more so than March Madness. March Madness isn't even here yet. you got to label it right, Jack. Come on now, man. I'm talking to myself in the third person. Uh, it just shows you how I'm sitting currently on this Wednesday morning. But like <laughs> I said, we're going to take our final break of today's show, all things college basketball, when we come back here on Heavy Hitters. And welcome back into Heavy Hitters here on the radio voice of Kutztown University, K or Kutztown, Jack Heim, Mitchell Smedley. Wrapping up today's show, we got to talk about some college basketball as March Madness continues to roll and it get ever so close. We are almost a month away exactly from Selection Sunday, one of the best days of the year where the Field of 68 gets fully announced. One of my favorite days of the year. Uh, but yeah, it's it's incredible how fast this season's going uh, as we roll on here in early February. want to thank all of you who listen into the show as always here as we're getting towards the end 
of today's edition. We, we will be back next week, though, at this same time. Don't you worry about that. Uh, but Mitch might not, depending on how the Eagles Super Bowl goes. And hello, buddy. What's up? Um, anyway, we're going to get back into this, though. <laughs> talking about college basketball. Uh, as I was talking about Selection Sunday, how it's getting close, how you might not be here for maybe a little bit next week if the Eagles win the Super Bowl. I really hope so, man. I really, really hope I will not be here for a period of time next week. Eagles winning the Super Bowl. We're really not supposed to do that. We are really supposed to do that. No. Also, no. before we really get in-depth to uh, your college hoops, I wanted to bring up one small NHL tidbit. Uh, the latest battle of the Flylanders has been won by New York. So Yay! congratulations Woo! on uh, Monday night. Two to one Islanders over the Flyers. So. Yes, sir. Yeah. Sir, Bo Horvat also just scored his first goal as an Islander in the home opener last night. Nice. No, not home opener, but in his, his Islander home opener. Home opener. Against uh, the Kraken. The Kraken. Ooh. Four nothing win for the Islanders. The Isles there. Four straight points. Two in a row. Yeah. Two in a row. Got to start somewhere, Jack. So. Got to start somewhere. I like the way uh, Barzal and Horvat, they'll play together with each other, man. Playing a good line. Yeah. So I figured I'd bring that up. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. I Man, I can't wait till the Flyers are good. That's all I can say. Yeah. Uh, I, if the Phillies and Flyers were good at the same time, like that takes you through the whole year. You know what I mean? Like, yep. Because right when the Phillies die down is when the Flyers pick up, and yep. when the Flyers die down is when the Phillies pick up. So yep. I, I just, that's all I want. I found this ID. That's <laughs> <laughs> what it sounds like. Anyways, back to college hoops. Selection Sunday. I can't wait. But we're not here to talk about that now. Uh, we got to talk about, you know, some teams that I like to peak through February and into March. Okay. And I'm going to go down to the SEC. I was watching this game last night. Arkansas and Kentucky, the Hogs, go into Rupp Arena, get a win. And I tell you what, I like Arkansas. They're going to get Nick Smith Jr. back. He's been out since December with an injury. One of their key guys uh, you know, for this team. Eric Musselman's a great coach. Arkansas has gone to back-to-back Elite Eights. I think they're capable of going on a very deep run yet again with this talented, talented roster. Uh, they're stingy defensively. I like the way this team plays. I think they're going to peak in, uh, you know, in here in late February, going into March, and I think they're going to be able to go on a deep tournament run and win in a couple games. I think I at least, book it right now, I think Arkansas will go to a minimum the Sweet 16. Hmm. I'm that confident. I wow. love the must bus. Eric Musselman, great head The coach. must bus. Oh, yeah. It's a, good, it's a good pick. I like it. Sweet 16. Also, you know, <laughs> I was walking back from the bathroom, and, uh, man, the shot of adrenaline I received from talking about the, uh, the Super Bowl, it is wearing off hard, Jack. Yeah. I get that. A, I'm gonna need a midday nap. Midday nap. Yeah. So I'm gonna get some food after this. I'm getting food after this too. I'm starving. Pretty hungry. Because the food here doesn't open until 11 a.m. What's up with that? Come on. We need to eat. Yeah. Big boys gotta eat. <laughs> Trying to fuel a Super Bowl run right now. Need my food. So I, last night a couple of good matchups to talk about. UConn handles Marquette at home between two of the top 25 teams in the country according to the AP poll rankings. UConn. 87-72, they take down the Golden Eagles of Marquette, who was tied with Xavier for first in the Big East. Now Xavier stands alone a half game ahead. Uh, but for the Huskies, it's a big win. I mean, it's a team who was looking like one of the best in college basketball in December. They were undefeated uh, for a large time in out-of-conference play. But since going into Big East play, it's been a very different story. 8-6 and six in conference play. You know, a lot of tough road losses against Providence, against Creighton, against... No, I don't I don't believe they play Creighton on the road yet. Uh, they will do that, though, on Saturday. I, good little preview there. Uh, is it a big game coming up for you? It is. Yeah, uh, I, I like say. both teams. Creighton's starting to turn things around here in Big East play. They are 9-3. and three. Uh, So they're kind of on the tails, along with Providence, of uh, Xavier and Marquette. So that's going to be an interesting one uh, to look out for. 
but back to UConn. Uh, they're a very good team. They don't really have, I don't know if they have a ball-reliant type guy. Like, they have skilled players who can make plays, but they don't have someone who can consistently handle the ball and facilitate offensively uh, in a consistent manner. So I'm really kind of, that would be my one concern for UConn. But they're a very talented team. I like Danny Hurley as head coach. He always brings the energy. Uh, and that's a big win at home against a very talented Marquette team. It was top 10. I mean, Marquette, they were projected to finish ninth in the Big East at the start of the season. They're now top 10 in the country and more more than likely, excuse me, uh, a lock to make March Madness. Nice. Congratulations so, to them. Yeah. I mean, what a year it's been. Tyler Kolek, uh, Caleb, I believe it's Caleb Jones or Cam Jones. I always butcher that. Steve yeah. Gannon, though. Yeah. We all know that. <laughs> Cam Jones. I was right. There we go. Good job. So. Uh, and then Igadar, they have a lot of good guys, man. Uh, they just the development that some of the players have had under Shaka Smart, the former Texas and uh, VCU coach, now up in his home state of Wisconsin, doing Is that a Virginia good Christian job with. Uh, yes, nice. I believe I could be wrong. Texas Christian is Jalen Rager country. Yeah. Anyways, sorry to interrupt. I don't know. You know what? I'm I'm not so sure about that. Let's look it up. He's looking it up. VCU. What does it stand for? It is not Christian. I thought it was this. Virginia Commonwealth University. Oh, that makes sense. I thought it was that. I didn't think it was Christian. Gotcha. But um, yeah, Virginia Commonwealth University. By the way, they right now currently lead the Atlantic Ten and would get the automatic qualifying bid into March Madness. How about that? So good little tagline. Little there, Commonwealth over there. Slip that one in there. I guess, yeah, I guess it's a commonwealth, not a state. Which yeah. is weird because Pennsylvania is too, but we still have Penn State. Yeah, four commonwealths are what? Kentucky, Virginia. I thought it was just PA and Virginia. Pennsylvania. Huh. Is it Massachusetts? I think Massachusetts is also a commonwealth. Yeah, now that you say I For some reason, I just thought it was Virginia and Pennsylvania, but I believe you're correct. I always wondered why. You know, why? What's the point? Got to change the song, Jack. 46 nifty United States. And four commonwealths and 13 original colonies and a partridge in a pear tree. I was right. Wow. You mixed Christmas and that all together. I did, dude. I find a way. Well, I did say it was a Christian university. (laughs) You did. You did. Uh, That's uh, Liberty. Another top 25 showdown, though, last night. Indiana Rutgers, 66-60. Trace Jackson Davis and the Hoosiers get it done at Assembly Hall against the Scarlet Knights of Rutgers and Steve Peichel. Hoosier daddy. I don't know. I don't know how to feel about this Indiana team. I like Trace Jackson Davis as a player. I like Jalen Hood Shafino. But man, I just don't know. I, I just the Big Ten is always just it's just it's just a crapshoot, man. It really is. You don't know who's gonna go far. They beat up on each other in league play. And they don't play the style of basketball that succeeds in March. I just they just don't, man. I, does Indiana have all the talent to, to win a you know a tournament game? Maybe two. Yes. But I'm not sure that they're gonna be able to. I think Purdue. Maybe maybe even Rutgers, too. I don't know. It's just that Big Ten's so hard to gauge of who could win a couple tournament games. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm not going to go down that rabbit hole now because I could talk about that for a while. You know, what teams could, what teams couldn't, yada, yada, yada. So on and so forth. Team I like to Penn State, I'm not sure they're going to be the tournament now. Suffered a tough loss to Nebraska last weekend. So It's brutal. It is. It's brutal. Team I really like, though, Virginia, man. <sighs> Top 10, Tony Bennett's a really good coach for the Cavaliers. Got a big win at home last night against NC State, 63-50. to I mean, Virginia's calling card has always been their defense, but their offense is here, too. I mean, they can score. I mean, last night you hear only 63. It's like, well, okay, that's not a whole lot. But they're, they're top 20 in Ken Palm offensive efficiency. And that's kind of uh, – it's not where they were when they won the national championship. They were top five. But top 20 is, I would say, much more improved 
uh, than where Virginia's been in years past. So I, I like the Cavaliers. They can definitely make a run uh, in the tournament. Uh, so just watch out for them. I, I wouldn't say they're peaking right now, but they're playing some pretty good basketball. Uh, and I'd like to see them continue that as the season goes along. But before we uh, wrap up today's show with some more college basketball, I do have a message from the K or Notebook. Attention, KU community. Bears at Night will be holding Cupid's Unity Disco on Friday, February 10th from 7 p.m. to 10 p.m. in Room 1 of the South Dining Hall. This will be a silent disco party featuring music such as hip-hop, dancehall, afrobeats, reggaeton, and more. Please enter through the event entrance by the ATM. Be sure to come out and attend this fun event. This message of community interest brought to you by the radio voice of Christian University. K. You are wrapping up heavy hitters. Back again, Mitchell. Yes, Medley. What's up? Got any questions for me? Yeah, so uh, I want to talk upsets, right? Because there's always those upsets. Do you see like a weak link toward the top of the bracket uh, that's kind of shaping up here that uh, you think could be targeted by those uh, those mid majors and stuff? That is a fantastic question. My that's friend. why I ask it, buddy. And I will give you that right now. I will give you that. Then do it. Let's go. The one seeds right now uh, projected are Purdue, Arizona. This is according to Joe Lenardi of ESPN. Purdue, Arizona, Alabama, and Houston. If I think one is capable of losing early, I think it's Arizona. Mm. Okay. I think this is the case. Well, it depends on also region. It's dependent on the team itself, but it also depends on the region you get in. Because there's going to be a region that has the doors open for a one seed. Like, you look at the region, you look at the teams... Who could beat them? And you look at it and say, well, this is kind of weak. Like Kansas last year. You look through, you said, okay, maybe that five-seeded Iowa could get them. But outside of that, there wasn't really a whole lot. I mean, Miami went on the run of the Elite Eight as a 10 seed. They almost had it, but they didn't get them. Yeah, you just got to find that region where that one seed, you maybe think, well, uh, you know, are they as good? Maybe not, but they have a you know favorable region. And you look at a tougher region with the one seeds in, they have a lot of teams that they could possibly lose to, like Baylor last year uh, with, you know, UNC going on the run they did as an eight seed to the championship game, and Baylor lost in the second round. So there's always that one region where the one seed either loses, you know, in the second round, Sweet 16. There's very seldom a year where all four one seeds are going to make it past the second weekend. It just does not happen a whole lot. Mm-hmm. So right now, you know, I'd say if they're out of the four one seeds that I'm that I listed, I'd probably say Arizona would be the weakest uh, weakest link. And now that Arizona's a bad team, I just have questions about them. Sometimes consistent defensively, and their guard plays a little up and down. They have one of the best front courts in the country with Umar Balo and and Azolas Tabellas, two of the best international players in, in collegiate basketball right now, uh, making up one of the best front courts at Arizona. Uh, and Tommy Lloyd, I really like him as head coach. But overall, for me. It's just a guard play, man, question. I like Courtney Ramey as a three-point shooter, but Kirk Reza can get turnover prone at times. And outside of that, Pele Larson's just not a very great, consistent producer. Uh, CJ Henderson, I don't know, too. It's just guard play for Arizona. I'm a little weak, and you need good guards to win in March. Yeah. it's um, a good point. So I didn't know that there was a geographic component to this. So do they... I thought they just strictly make who plays who based on, on rankings, but is it actually, like, who's kind of near each other uh, um, physically? With uh, these regions? You, okay, so there's, like, rules that you have to separate. So, like, the Big 12 is going to have a lot of top teams. Mm-hmm. And usually the top four teams in your conference get spread out throughout the four regions. That way you don't play each other. Oh, uh, okay. There, there is a north, uh, not north, uh, s- south, west, midwest, and east uh, regions. Those are the regions of the brackets. Southwest, midwest, and east? What's uh, the southwest, midwest, and east. Oh, south. West, West, Midwest, and Midwest. Yes. That's dumb. Dumb. (laughs) That's stupid. As Mitch labels it, dumb. That's dumb. 
Oh, east? Well, I thought you said west. <laughs> Anyways. Um, okay, so I didn't know that part of it. Yeah, but uh, right now, if I had to give you a team who was a double-digit seed who could make some noise like Miami did going into the Elite Eight last year, uh, looking through, you know, a team I really like. I mean, I don't know if they're on the 7 or 10 line. So, yeah, they are. I like Creighton. And mm. you might be like, Creighton, they never made it past the Sweet 16. Yes, but they are, their starting five is incredible. They got Kaluma, New, uh, Nemhart. Uh, you have Kalkbrenner at the five. He's, he's a really good player. You got uh, Shireman, the transfer from South Dakota State, who uh, was a dominant power out of the Summit League last year, fell to Providence in the first round, and many thought they could pull off that upset and maybe win a couple tournament games. I like Creighton right now, but again, anything can change over the next couple weeks. There's still a lot of time and a lot of games to be played until we get to March Madness. But at this juncture, uh, maybe one of those 7 to 10s or, you know, Seven or above seeds to make a run to maybe Sweet 16 or Elite 8, I would say maybe, probably Creighton would be uh, a good option for me right now. Nice. Uh, but of the eight or nines, you could take down one seed. Uh, Arizona would play either Mizzou or Northwestern in the second round. Uh, it would be Purdue versus NC State or Florida Atlantic. They could push Purdue maybe. Uh, I don't know. I, I like Purdue too, but they're so reliant on Zach Eady, and why not? Because he's going to be the National Player of the Year. But if those guards, those freshman guards, haven't have, aren't having a great day, it... it might be it might be spelling doom for for Purdue or if they play a very experienced sizable team on the perimeter who have good wing players who can lock down those freshman guards yet again because you're not going to be able to stop Zach Eady. I mean the guy's just a monster so I don't know I like Purdue could they win a couple games and maybe even go all the way to the final four or championship game yes they they, they they can but I'm not fully sold on that surrounding core outside of Edie I'm just not gotcha. could I could I be wrong possibly but usually okay <laughs> It's all the hostility, man. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Yeah, go, I, man? I'm hungry. I'm tired. I'm nervous for the Super Bowl, right? Oh, it's a I'm lot hungry. of emotions. Everything's building up here. Everything. We'll, we'll, we'll settle it. You know, I'll get you into Cub Cafe. All right. One more question. Yeah. Uh, well, we actually probably have time for two. Go for it. One or two more. Oh, oh, oh. Me asking questions. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> I was like, all right. I'm more give me your knowledge, question. More knowledgeable on the topic. Yeah. I'm sorry. Okay. Um, <laughs> another question. Um, okay. So we talked about uh, kind of upsets. Um, talking about mid majors. Let's uh, let's look forward to the next weekend and stuff because uh, we might be jam packed here with Super Bowl talk and, and everything else. So, uh, what are you looking for this upcoming week or two uh, to, to kind of put on people's radars? Got some good matchups tonight. Big East wise, Creighton, Seton Hall. Seton Hall's trying to play their way into the bubble. If they can get a home win against Creighton, that would certainly help their odds to keep going up the Big East standings and put themselves further uh, into that discussion. Uh, so that's one to look out for at least tonight. Uh, Big 12 is always interesting. Iowa State, West Virginia, that's that's a decent one to look out for. Uh, both teams in the field, according to Joe Lenardi right now. Um, outside of that, tonight, of Florida and Alabama would be an interesting one. Wisconsin, Penn State in the Big 10, and for the reason that both those teams are trying to play their way back up, yeah. I think both are on the next four outline as of right now. We'll see uh, when the next bracketology gets revealed where those teams currently sit. But I think Penn State needs a win at home against a Wisco team. Both teams in desperate need of a win. It's going to be two hungry teams. Going to watch out for that one tonight. Nice. Anything, Anything this weekend? Uh, this weekend, let's take a look. Go to Saturday because that's the more predominant day. Uh, a lot of good games you're going to see. You got uh, whoa, maybe West Virginia, Texas. I don't know. I feel like Texas being the five uh, number five team in the country at home going to have a big advantage there. Mm-hmm. Kansas, Oklahoma, always going on the road in the Big 12. Tough. Could keep scrolling down here. Auburn, Alabama, the Iron Bowl on the basketball court. Uh, Alabama, I would give the edge to there. UConn and Creighton, like I mentioned earlier, top 25 showdown uh, in Omaha, Nebraska. Omaha, Omaha. 
Yeah, it's where Creighton is is located. I never knew that. I didn't know where Creighton was. I did not know that until a couple years ago. Where's Gonzaga? Uh, Spokane, Washington. That is not what I thought. I thought they were like a southern team or something. Nah. You know, I always thought Duke. Northwest. I always thought, the, I think it was Duke that I always thought was like in Idaho. <laughs> I swear. I don't know. Duke in Idaho. How yeah. about that? Speaking of Duke, they they uh, traveled to uh, West Virginia, uh, not West Virginia, to Virginia. Um, I can't think of the town where Virginia is right now. I know Blacksburg is where Virginia Tech is, but where Virginia is, it's just blanking me. It's kind of ticking me off, but uh, if I think of it, I'll, I'll let you know. Baylor TCU, top 20 showdown between the Big, Ten, uh, Big 12. Uh, San Diego State, top 25 team host UNLV. Uh, so those are just some of the games to look out for uh, in this Saturday slate. We're going to scroll down and try to find one more here. Uh, Oklahoma State, Iowa State, again, at Big 12. Uh, just a lot of good matchups there. But uh, we do have to wrap it up. Yeah. We are running a little bit out of time. Hopefully the next time we do a show, Jack, I will be uh, in the process of getting a new hat. New hat. For your sake, yes, but for me, no. Uh, thank you all for listening <laughs> to today's show of Heavy Hitters. Enjoy the Super Bowl. Enjoy Go! the weekend. Birds, baby. Eagles, Chiefs in the Super Bowl 57 on Sunday. College basketball all weekend. NBA stuff. Congratulations once again to LeBron for being the NBA's all-time leading scorer. That'll do it. We'll be back bright and early Monday morning, 9 a.m. here on Heavy Hitters.